So Bryn, um, I first messaged you basically explaining to you what we're going to do on the podcast and I said we was going to start with two truths and one lie. Yes. Um, it's a bit of an icebreaker. Now I know you as a friend. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that I get it right. But if it's from like your childhood before school, um, we'll go a bit into that as to how we know each other. But if it's from your childhood before school, I may not know it. But hit me with the three options. Um, and let's see if I can get it right. So we've got, uh, I'm a quarter English, only a quarter English. Uh, I'm allergic to bananas. And what was the other? I can't even remember. I literally put them down in my notes. I'll, I'll check it. Yeah, get your notes. <laughs> so we've got, ah, yeah. This is how bad I am at remembering stuff. So we've got, I'm a quarter English. Uh, I'm allergic to bananas. And I've met the Chuckle Brothers. Right. Now I know you've got Italian in you. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's... I think you've got Italian, some sort of Scandinavian. Am I right? No. No? Italian, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got something else with Italian. Ukrainian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know if that's more than a half. Now, I don't think you're allergic to bananas. I think I'd know that. I do love bananas, yeah. Yeah. So the banana ones, oh, that's it. Oh, I've ruined it. Yeah, that's it. I was going to say, I thought, it was, <laughs> I two, I thought it was two lies, one truth, but it's two truths, one lie. Yeah. So... What you half Ukrainian? No, half no, Italian. Quarter, quarter Italian, quarter Ukrainian, quarter German. Pete's half German. Oh, German. Pete's half German, and then my mum's half Ukrainian. That's meant you're actually a quarter English. I know, yeah. Mm, you look a bit Italian. Bit German. You don't look German. Don't look German, all right, friend. I don't know Ukrainian. You don't look like. Ukrainian. No, nose, yeah. Yeah, big nose. Yeah, you got big nose. Yeah. yeah. Big <laughs> <nozzle>. <laughs> What's it about that? No. Um, got your kombucha, by the way, mate. Thank you. Like an old remedy. I'm gonna try one with you later. Nice. Um, so we're going to start off, and I'm probably going to do this with most podcasts. We're going to start off right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, kind of going to delve into how you came into business, um, the businesses you've got, and what kind of the future ventures are going to be for you. Um, so if we go right back to the beginning, before yeah. I even knew you. Yeah. Um, we knew each other from year eight. I don't even know what age that is, like 13. Yeah, it was year eight, year nine, it's so like 13, 14, 13, 14 yeah. school. Um, but we're going to go further back. Um, when did you have any business kind of, I don't know what the word is, but I go back to the days where I was at my Nana's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to like sit outside her house with like clothes pegs and pencils and try flog them on the side of the road. Right. Do you have any stories from kind of like your childhood where even though at the time you may not look like I'm a businessman, yeah. Where there was anything that kind of is, you look back now and go, that was kind of a little bit of my business brain ticking in. I can't, I can't quite remember as far as early back as that. I can remember um, secondary school, um, just like selling like cans of pop uh, on the playground, which the is standard. brilliant. Yeah, because my mum bought it all. So it was 100%, 100% profit. profit. Brilliant. She never wanted the money. So uh, there was that. It was all secondary school as far as I can remember. I don't really remember anything before that. Um, like selling cans of pop, like, energy drinks fixing phones went through a phase of like buying bust phones and xboxes repairing them and flogging them that, um, that kind of was like um you went into we'll go into that in a, in a bit you went into apprenticeship 
fixing things basically, basically. yeah yeah so it, kind so of it was kind of like your business brain mixing with your technology brain yeah yeah um yeah cans of pop i think a lot of people that go into business you have to sell cans it's just of, an easy one cans of, pop like, well, cans of pop so i'll just buy a big pack and, and for some reason when you're at school everyone spends like stupid price you buy a mars bar for like two quid because you're at school and you can't yeah. go get it well the mum gives them like a fiver a day or two quid a day or something like that so they're like oh, i'll give a quid uh, for instead a of spending on my lunch i'll yeah. have a good old can of pop so that was um yeah, that's a, that's about as as early as I can remember in that sense. To be fair, nothing really before that that I know of. So if we if we go before that anyway, um, kind of go to like your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say you had like a good upbringing? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, not like uh, not super um, super hard done by and like a really rough upbringing. Wasn't like full of. Um, I don't come from like a rich family or anything like that. Yeah. Um, like my dad works in like a, a factory. He still does. He works in a factory. Uh, and my mum literally was just a carer for my nana. So it wasn't like a... So kind of like working to medium class kind of thing. Yeah, just, yeah, like standard working, working class sort of, yeah. Just getting by. Uh, no, no like real hardship as such, but not, not like, yeah. So you're from Scunthorpe, same as me. Um, I mentioned that on the Instagram. From Scunthorpe, it's kind of like, it feels like everyone works at the steelworks yeah yeah it's yeah. like if you speak to anyone older than us you either have or you do work at the steelworks pretty much yeah um or a factory like your dad kind of thing yeah um so when you was kind of brought up um was your dad or your mom or any other outside family members did they own any businesses no uh no no there was, there was literally no introduction to like kind of business nothing no, I can't even, even like really distant family. Ah, oh, didn't, didn't meet him, but my, my grandma's, so this is in Italy. This is how far it is. I'm trying to think. <laughs> like my grandma's brother, uh, he owned like a bar and stuff like that in a restaurant in Italy. Oh, and he was Uncle Carlo. He was a good cook, great but, hero to you. And that's, yeah, why you started, yeah, yeah. that's why you started business. Yeah. Didn't meet him until I was about 15. Or <laughs> so I can't even use that as a, um, but no, nothing. Really. So there's no introductions there. Um, so you kind of then go to school, um, start selling cans of pop, start doing fixing things. So when you was fixing things, was you in your brain of, I want to make money from it? Or was you in your brain of, I just fucking love fixing things? Uh, a bit of both, but the, the, it, it started out as just like a money thing. At that time, it wasn't like, oh, I'm a businessman. I'm going to do all these smart things with this money. I think at the time it was literally just because I wanted to go watch... Um, Scunny, you know, I don't want to watch him home and away. So, like, the home ticket would be fine because I think we'd get like a season ticket and it'd be like a hundred quid for the season. So, you could manage to scrimp, like, get yeah, that together. Yeah. But the away games were a bit more. So, we'd have to like do something to try and. Yeah, you're on about like 15 pounds every two weeks to go yeah, watch Scunny yeah. away. So, so you've it... got to try fixing up things to get 15 quid. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, it, it was mainly about the money, but I did kind of enjoy and I still kind of do like fixing things, whether it's like like a phone or something like that. Maybe not that as much now, but like fixing problems and stuff like that. It's quite satisfying. Um, I, I remember back then, um, there was you and Shabby as well. Yeah. You two were like the kind of guys where if your phone broke, like, because you're cracking your screens all the time. That was when iPhones are like, everyone had an iPhone even then. Yeah. You'd crack your screen like every couple of weeks. Yeah. You'd go to either you or Shabby. <laughs> you'd say, right, um, I need my phone fixing. All right, no problem. Next day, they'd have like, you and Shabby, like all the kit. Yeah. I remember Shabby once, he had all the kit, said, right, come to the toilets. 
Went to the toilets, literally fixed the iPhone in the toilets. Had like a hairdryer on like a broken iPhone. I think. Like it was like some secret Some like dodgy like, yeah, yeah. backstreet business. Yeah, to be fair. Um, I actually broke one once as well, but luckily it was um, Ollie, one of, our, one of our mates. But I actually broke one once as well. Trying to fix it. Trying to fix it. And I like blew up his motherboard when I was replacing a phone. So I was just like, this is, it happens. Like, I don't know what. So you just didn't do it? You didn't pay him? I didn't, no, I didn't really have that much. I was making like 10, 15 pounds a time. I couldn't buy a new phone. Oh, well, that's, so, that's um, not the business attitude you got. No, there, yeah. Hope, um, so, yeah, it, it, yeah, I did break one once. But, um, yeah, it was quite good. It was all right. Like, it was... So if we go from that um, to kind of like later education, that's when I feel most people choose a path. The path is usually education or mm-hmm. like practical. Um, luckily, business usually can be at the end of both. Like you can go the degree way, study business and then start your own business, or you can kind of go the physical way and just work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I know me and Isaac, your business partner, we kind of went them two ways. He studied business at uni. I went to uni, didn't study anything to do with business, <laughs> got an E at college in business, yeah. and then kind of just thought, right, let's do it, and then just work hard at it rather than having the knowledge. Yeah. Um, so if we move on to you at like the end of school, so like GCSE time, mm-hmm. what was your kind of thought process then in terms of, because there's a lot of pressure for kids, I think, that GCSE is like, right, now is the time to make a decision for the rest of your life. Yeah. So what was your kind of thought process then? Was you thinking, right, whatever decision is now, that's me for life then? You kind of do, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's just, um, and I don't like like people constantly like go, oh, it's a scumfort mentality. But you do think like everyone else here, it's just like a small town thing. And like, yeah, you just yeah. get a job. 100%. Wherever the big hire is in the place, you get a job there. And that's just what people do. Yeah. Um, so I, I did kind of think like, well, I'm making a choice here for a good part of my life if it's not, if it's not um, all of it. Um, and funnily enough, I did actually apply, I think it was engineering, some, something to do with the steelworks, but I just never heard back. So I could have ended up at the steelworks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was originally, because my mum and dad, they weren't obviously going like, oh, you should start your own business because like, people don't. Um, so they were saying engineering, you should try being an engineer because they're going to earn really good money and all this. But I didn't really like engineering because we did it a little bit at school. But I thought, well, I don't know, if you earn enough money, you'll be happy, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually how I thought. I think I did, I was thinking about engineering at that time, like in the RAF and stuff. Yeah. And I think then engineering was like a big thing to like, right, you can earn good books. Yeah, and they were doing like a big push on it. Yeah. So I, I actually looked at, I looked at like Siemens because I thought, oh, working abroad, that'll be cool. They did like you could work on these wind farms and you'd go to Germany and the tea. And I was like, that sounds back really cool. Back to your home country. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the motherland. <laughs> uh, but then I thought, actually, I'd, I'd still live at home. Like I'd probably cry if I was away for a couple of days. <laughs> I'm probably better off not. And then, um, yeah, I don't really know how I came across it. I think I was just looking for apprenticeships because I thought I actually applied to college, got into college and thought, okay, yeah, I was doing like law. Um, what? I don't know why. I didn't even know that. Well, that's the thing. I thought about it and went, law, why am I even... And then I thought, why am I even going to college? That sounds like we're kind of like dissing law, but as like you know yourself and I know you. I've, yeah, because school not completely law, like just got by. Like didn't... I, I'm not bothered about going like really... Like mm. in subjects, I didn't really care about deep diving into stuff. And law, you've got to know... Yeah, you're the same as me, like where education isn't like a gift you've been given. No. We kind of just got by with yeah. like middle grades. Basically. So that's what I thought with college. And I was like, well, why don't I get an apprenticeship? And I think it was just, I saw it and there wasn't really, there aren't many apprenticeships here in like, that, that are different from like, your, I don't know, engineering, admin, 
tasks. And this was like, a, it was something different because it was to do with like computers. I can't remember what it was called, the, the actual job role. Um, but it just kind of stuck out because it was to do with like technology and fixing things. Was that with, it wasn't Quickline? No, it was, it was a company called PC Support Company. Oh, that's it, yeah. They're yeah, still I going now. That. And then they did like, they were subcontracted out by Quickline. Yeah, uh, I ended up by the end of it like a, a broadband engineer. Uh, that's crazy to think back, like seeing you now. Yeah. That you was a broadband engineer. I know, yeah. And Not, even like now when we was getting the broadband in this place, you, you're still kind of like that guy. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. still like, Bryn, can Quickline do me a jump? Yeah, I've spoken to him for years, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that one great, to be fair. Um, so what was your thought process during that? Because um, obviously at this point, no peers uh, in businesses. Mm-hmm. None of your family have got a business. So you've kind of got no outlook. And that's one thing I'd say is bad about this town. Mm. Um, but it's changed a lot, I'd say, in like our later generation. Mm. Is that, and it, it's, so many people say that it's the reason, like usually people from like poor areas of Manchester, I've heard especially H said it, Charlie Slough has said it, I think Stephen Bartlett has said it. You've got no one to look up to in your area so you don't think it's possible Mm. so with having no peers no family or anything in business was you then in the mindset of right the apprenticeship then once i qualify i work for the company and that's me basically yeah like i just thought yeah it sounds like you just think i don't know technology is gonna get bigger it's like if i have a job in technology i'm gonna be the best broadband engineer there is (laughs) yeah um so yeah that was kind of the thought process behind it really just it was something that I enjoyed because, and obviously, I knew a little bit about it from watching YouTube videos on how to fix phones and replace phone screens. So I thought I'd, I'd, I enjoy it a little bit, and I know a little bit about it. Um, it was kind of just like the best of a, a bunch of options that I wasn't overly keen on. But I knew that college, I'd just because at school, obviously, they they want you to go to school, and if you don't turn up, they're ringing your parents. College, you're not a bit as, more relaxed. Yeah, a bit more relaxed. And then uni's obviously even more. You can just not turn oh, up uni. for a year. So. Yeah, uni. <laughs> so brilliant. I just thought that isn't for me because I just won't turn up. <laughs> um, so that's why I end up going with the apprenticeship route. And, and that, like I say, that role just kind of, it felt like it would be a, the best fit for me. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, to be fair, to start with. Um, it turns out that actually a lot of stuff you just Google. Like someone rings you and you're like, wait, there a sec, Google it. And the answer is on there, Google. Wait well, I just check my resources. Yeah, it really, all, all it is, is like, how good are you at Googling stuff? And that was, that was kind of all it was. Um, no, it was good to be fair. And the, and the um, guys who employed me, Caitlin and Dan, they were like sound and it was, it was good. It was just, by the end of it, I just didn't really, I don't know. It just felt like, oh shit, like, is this it now? It's so as like, you kind of got older, you needed something to give you kind of like a push to wake up. Yeah, like it was just a bit every day was kind of the same. Yeah. It money wasn't like great. I was I'm still an apprentice to be fair, so the money money wouldn't be great Bad. in any yeah, <laughs> yeah, in any any uh, company. But so I just thought, well, is this it then? Do I just kind of wait and hope that I get a pay rise or a little promotion and stuff like that? And it just mm. I don't know. It, it, I didn't really enjoy it anymore. So that was college years, so you'd have been what, seventeen? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so six sixteen left school. Um, yeah, it was 16 when I started that. And how long was you there school. for? Until like two, two, was 19, 18, 19. I think it was 18 because I think you started business a year before me. Yeah, I, I think, was 19. Yeah, because yeah, the, the business was registered in 2016 and I left there 2017 the next year. 
Right. So if we go into that, so we're going to kind of how you fell into business. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, and I haven't spoken about it on the podcast yet. I'll do my kind of story soon, but it's kind of the exact same as I fell into it, but the step before. <laughs> so I fell into it from a person, from a person to me. Yeah. And you was that person before. Yeah. And passed it on to me. So just for the sake of the podcast, how, so you was working as a broadband engineer. What kind of happened? where a business opportunity came because like we say there's no peers there's no family no where did it come from it was actually isaac my business partner he worked at um curry's at the time um and he spoke to someone at curry's who was doing this amazon thing this amazon thing. <laughs> for those who don't know like amazon fba um it used to be i don't know if it still is we're kind of out of that game now but it used to be yeah. like a mass there was loads of people that used to speak to each other um, and we created like this term called the Amazon thing because anybody that didn't know what Amazon FBA was, they'd always ask us, oh, do you do that Amazon thing? Yeah. Um, so he, uh, he told me about that because there was some guy at Curry was doing this Amazon thing and was making stupid money and all these things. Um, and Isaac, I don't know why, but he asked me, he said, do you want to like give it a go? Um, so we just thought, oh, yeah, it'd be a good little way of just, again, it wasn't like, oh, let's get into business. It's like, oh, cool, you can just buy these products Basically, you're buying products from retail stores like Argos or Home Bargains or whatever, um, and then just flipping them on Amazon for a profit. You're selling them for like two, three times the price. So all we thought was, oh, it's a good little way of just earning an extra couple of hundred quid a month or whatever. It wasn't like, let's start a business and we're going to do all these things. It was just a little extra kind of money earner. So as a broadband engineer on an apprenticeship wage, a lot of people would probably ask, like, how the hell do you, like, get the investment for something like that yeah i mean <clears throat> we didn't start with a lot of money uh between us it was 700 like pounds we started with which probably most businesses you would never be able to start with 700 no pounds. no that's the thing it's not it doesn't sound like a lot of money but at the time when you were buying products from home bargains you could literally some products were like a pound or three or four pounds so it, it was a lot of like products but the only problem was you, you soon kind of find your way to the bottom of that 700 pounds you'd buy loads of stock and then you're waiting for it to sell because the way it works you send it into Amazon. And you're waiting for people to buy it. So you'd, you'd, you kind of, you spent your, your initial investment, like that 700 pounds, and you're waiting for the products to sell. So you just kind of, you want more. Like there's products that you know you want to buy, but you don't have the money. But at the time we were, obviously, like you say, we weren't earning good money. I think I was using like a credit card. I don't know if Isaac was. And then like, I think he ended up, he ended up selling his car. I was about to say, yeah, you eventually of... got investment from like selling shit. Yeah. Um, and like after a few months yeah maybe like six months in or something family members chipped in with like a, a little not like crazy but like a few was that because they or, saw the success from yeah it? they could see like we were doing something with it and they're like well like and and you explain it to them and um that's why you, we didn't get like crazy money but they'd give you like a few hundred pounds as like a loan and just go yeah, yeah. here's this give me it back when you've sold how it was it taken again i just keep going back to the fact that you've had no kind of outside influences in business how what did your mum and dad think say when you said mom, dad, me and Isaac got 700 quid, yeah. and we're making money from it. Well, they didn't actually, they were on holiday when we first started buying things and it was decided like, Perfect well, we'll run it from my house. <laughs> so they actually didn't know. They came back from holiday and it was like, what are all these things? And the house, there was just like stacks of kids' toys and all sorts and they're like, what's all this? So they actually found it that way and I just told them. And they didn't really say much. They just thought, oh, okay, fair enough. Like there wasn't like a, oh, cool. Um, but um, they, they didn't discourage it. They didn't encourage it. It was just, okay, we'll see what you're doing. That was, really. Yeah, it was a very similar situation to me of 
apart from my nana who invested in it, there wasn't kind of any encouragement or discouragement. It was just like it was just like flat it line, like see, yeah. let's see what he does here. This yeah. could be one of them like fads. Yeah. Like there's like a bad word about like drop shipping and stuff that you see online. You do a course, you do drop yeah. shipping and you become rich. Yeah. Um so I reckon a lot of outsiders thought that that's kind of what we did. Yeah. Um but it it wasn't. It was it is like completely no. different, isn't it? And, and it's um, weird because to say that like you have 700 quid and even though like you say you was waiting for that investment to turn over mm-hmm. it was turning over and when you like you see the money go into your bank again and you yeah. think shit i've just sold some stuff that i literally yeah. went to argos for yeah online for nearly double the price yeah and i'm making profit especially when you haven't been in business no no it felt crazy um you, you'd literally be waiting because Amazon hold your money and then they, they issue like payments on certain dates. So you'd know like, right, money's hitting on that day. So you're waiting for it to hit. And then as soon as it hits, you're like, it was right, like payday. Yeah. Get in the cars. We're going to Argos. We're going to home bargains. We're buying all the stuff again. So you'd, uh, it was crazy though. Yeah. Like the money was just, especially at that early stage, because you're not, you don't have any cost or anything. We're running it from like my parents' house and we were doing all the boxing. We were doing everything. This is so no wages, like, no rent. No, I think we bought boxes and labels. Like apart from that, you're literally just putting money into stock. There's no other costs and you literally just like the profits just it's coming back that quick. Um and early on as well, with um like Amazon FBA and buying it from those sort of stores, there wasn't tons of people doing it. I was about to say the competition was so low that we kind of hit it in a perfect time. A really good time, yeah. And so, they do say that like most businesses, even though you work hard, you have that ounce of luck of timing. Yeah. And I feel like we did. Maybe Kevin Gaz got the even more perfect timing. Yeah, they were a little bit earlier like still. the year still. before you. Yeah. Um, but I feel like us as one big combined group hit like Amazon FBA at the perfect a time. A good time, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because as, as kind of more and more people, found, like you say, people were asking, oh, what's this Amazon thing? And more and more people did it. You'd see like all of a sudden, because at first, if you're in home bargains or somewhere, people are looking at you going, what yeah, are you doing? You're cr- filling I remember your this, it's crazy. But then eventually you'd see other people like, oh, they're With the scanners well. on their phones. Yeah, yeah, scanning things. Like, why are they scanning products with the phones? And you'd be like, oh, there's other people here doing, <laughs> doing Amazon So for those FBA. who don't know, like Amazon FBA, you have like an app and there was a barcode scanner on it. And the way it worked in terms of going into a shop is you could literally go into home bargains and just pick up a product, scan the barcode. It would pop up with the Amazon listing. You have what's called like a sales rank which would basically tell you straight away how good the item is in terms of selling. And then you see straight away what the sell for price is. So what I remember you used to do it and I used to like come just to kind of see what was going on. Yeah. You just like walk around Tesco, go to the toy aisle, like Isaac on one side, you on the other and just go bosh, 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 yeah. bosh. As soon as you scan and it. And like, like that. Yeah, if it's a winner, like a really good winner, you're like, right, and you're clearing the shelf. Yeah, yeah. And someone looks at you and or if, or if they ask, like, oh, a charity giveaway or something Yeah, like yeah, that. that's exactly what like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you're buying loads of kids' toys. And some people will give you dirty looks, but you'd go like, oh, if say if they're with the kid, it's like, if you want one, you can have one. But yeah. I am taking the rest, like... I'm taking the rest. The kids on the money. toy are like, which toy do I pick? And Brandon <laughs> yeah. and Isaac are just, just going past like swoosh. <laughs> no, it was um, it's good though. Too. I look back on it like it 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 was um, yeah, it was interesting. To me, like those times of it's called retail arbitrage. Um, it kind of advanced later on to online arbitrage and then wholesale, and then private label. But retail arbitrage, which was going to the stores, that was the funnest time yeah. of Amazon. 
Yeah. Like, I don't think that time will ever... And it's not possible now. No. Because of stock levels and the amount of sellers there is, I don't think retail arbitrage will ever be beaten in terms of, like, the fun you get. No, yeah, it was good. Because you, you literally didn't know. You'd be looking at some some stuff that you thought, that's a really good product. You scan it and it'd be terrible. Something that looks terrible. Like, you'd scan it and it'd be a complete winner on Amazon. And it'd sell, like, a thousand a month. And yeah. you'd be like, I need more. Yeah. And but I be- remember, actually, going off, like, how the feeling was when you find a winner. Yeah. What was it? The makeup sets. Yeah, B and M. I think it was. There was six ninety nine. I think they sold for twenty one ninety nine. By the time you paid your fees and shipped it and all that, you were making like ten pound a pop. And, and I, re- I remember you used to go to like I think there's two B and M's in Scunny at the time. I think yeah. one's closed now, but there's two B and M's at Scunny. And I, I remember like if we had in our group chat, like oh, what are you boys up to today? You'd be like, we're hitting B and M's. So yeah. not, not just Scunny. Yeah. You wouldn't just go like from one end of Scunny to the other. It'd be no, like, no. right, we're off Lincoln, Sheffield, Doncaster, Hull, Grimsby. We've, we've rang up Hull and yeah. they've got them on the pallet ready That's for us. That's the thing, yeah. We'd call them and say, do you have these? And they'd be like, yeah, why? It's like, okay, cool. I want all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, what, like those winners, when they're a really, really good product and you know that it is literally just, you're going to make a really good uh, profit margin. It's like, just do whatever. Let's just go get them. Fill the car. I think it was those ones where it kind of saw to me and Ollie as well. Um, so for those who don't know as well, our whole group basically started selling Amazon. Yeah, uh, and that shows like how competition has came because Kev started, who told Gaz, yeah. who told Isaac, who told you, yeah. who told me, who yeah. told Ollie. And that's just one small town. Yeah. And, I, and even from there, kind of we saw so many people around Scunny then. Other people. Yeah, because Gaz wouldn't have just told Isaac. He told a couple of his friends and Isaac place. told... And everyone like tells two or three people. I think Gaz had like four mates who yeah, sold on Amazon. Who all did it. And eventually, like before you know it, there's a big part of Amazon sellers that are just in one little chunk of the country. Like Scunthorpe. It's like, what would a city be like? Yeah. If the word gets around a city, this is yeah. just Scunthorpe. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the competition back then was crazy, um, but it's even more stupid now. Like even yeah. online arbitrage now. So even finding products online, which is such a bigger catalogue. You have to be so specific of trawling through for hours and hours and you might find one product. Yeah, and now you get people who don't know what they're doing. So you'll find something really good and you'll get someone who'll just come on and just tank it and they'll sell it for, they think they're making money. I don't know how, but they're mm. losing money and you have no option where to just sit there and not sell your products. You're either, your investment's just sat there doing nothing. Yeah, or you're losing Or you lose money. money. So, so it's it, lose, it, lose because of stupid kind of idiots. Ruined. Yeah. Um... um so that was when you started selling Amazon. You were still doing your apprenticeship. Yeah. Isaac was still working. Mm-hmm. He also did an apprenticeship. At what point then, so I think you said you started your business and then a year later, About a year, you yeah. quit. Yeah. At what point then was you at you in your Amazon business? Like what kind of money was you making selling on Amazon? So it was, it was so yeah, it was 2016, the summer when we just started. So we, it went well. Then we had like a Q4. Obviously, Christmas time was crazy. That was really good. And then we thought, well, January, February, things do tail off a bit. So let's just... Because at that point, like we were making good money. We didn't pay ourselves a wage yet, but we could have done. But we held off because it was like, well, early parts of the year usually it, are just Yeah, you might end up retail. paying yourself, spending it, and then January, February, you And fucked. then you're done, yeah. So, so we... Um, we held off a little bit. And then uh, I think it was Isaac who just said, like, oh, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, if you could quit your job. Like, your next birthday, not be working anymore and be self-employed. It was like, yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. I handed my notice in in the March and I left like a few days before my birthday. Um, How did that feel? 
Good to be, well, kind of awkward at the time because uh, ringing your boss and going, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, uh, <laughs> he's expecting you to say, like, oh, I've got a brand new engineering job at yeah. Siemens. And it's like, oh, I'm leaving it because uh, we're selling these I sell makeup online. sets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're buying things from own bargains and plugging them on Amazon. Um, so that was a bit awkward. He was like, oh, okay, uh, fair enough. Um, but no, it felt good after. That, that was just a bit Was you shitting saying. yourself? Because uh, it's, it's the unknown, isn't it? Like, you've seen money is is moving yeah but as we all know in business and you definitely know now yeah. things can change and having your own business you haven't got the security no of another company kind of paying you wage no uh, i did a bit but at the same time i was 19 so it's like well i've got a car to run but apart from that um now really now's the time kind of thing yeah if i can't do it now like like well i don't really have any outgoings like i should just go for it and mm. luckily like i didn't pay lodge or anything only because my mom my dad was like charging my charging my <laughs> mom because of her i didn't have uh, any lodge to pay so it was literally just i have to run a car so it, you, you worked out then that you could take enough money minimum just to pay your expenses and then yeah. if you needed to reduce it or whatever you and could. at the time in my apprenticeship i'd been there what two or three years and even then it was still only at like I think it was just short of eight hundred pounds a month. So it wasn't like I was earning two grand a month or anything. Yeah. Like that. I was like, oh, that's you're a not big taking expense. a pay cut as such. No, um, so it wasn't like a lot for a business to go. Oh, can it pay us eight hundred pound a month each? So it, it you know, um, it wasn't too much money for it to spare. So that's still then working from your house. Yep. How was your mum and dad about that? They were okay. At this point, what was your sales at that point? Say like at peak, say Q four, just before you quit your job. Yeah. What kind of sales was you doing? It's a good question. It's completely on my head. So we started off... Uh, I remember we used to do like a thing of like, you hit 1K in a day. Yeah. And you'd sell like 99 units or 100 units in a day. Yeah. Was you reaching them kind of numbers? I'm trying to think whether it was that year or the year after. I think it might have been later that year. No, it wasn't because we didn't have the warehouse yet. It was the year after where we, we hit um, 100K and that was amazing. But that, at, at that point, it was somewhere like 20, 30K a month. So how many, uh, if, I haven't got my phone on me, if you do a calculation of like 20,000 divided by, say, sell for a price of 20 quid, I don't know what I'm crap at maths. What is that, like 10,000? What am I doing, 20? Is it 1,000 units? 20 grand divided by 20 quid. Oh, tw- yeah, because our is average, I think our average, I remember our average sell price, I think it was uh, 12.99, it was 12.99, so 7.99. So do that then, do you? I think it was 7.99, no, it's 12.99, I don't know. 20,000 by 1299, uh, 1,600 units. That's 1,600 units a month. Yeah. A lot of it was still those makeup sets and things like that at that point. We weren't like going scattergun and buying loads. We we, we were, but we was kind of handpicking good things because obviously still like your spending budget's limited. So we couldn't just go, right, let's buy loads of stuff. So the stuff we were selling was profitable, um, like really profitable at the time. but even still 1,600 units going through a bedroom. Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Was your parents pissed off? Because I've got my experience of running through a house because we also ran through a house. Yeah. Were they pissed off? Uh, or did they see it as, right, Brandon's starting a business here and it's looking good. Yeah. Let's just put up with the house being a shit. They didn't really off. get too annoyed because I kind of kept it in like my room. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I sometimes it would kind of push out onto like the, the corridor a bit. And then my dad kind of went, right, well, because then before we got a warehouse, while we were still at my house, um, we started getting into wholesale. And it's like, well, what do you do with these pallets? Oh, dear. <laughs> so that was like, right, you can have like half of the garage a bit. Um, 
And they were okay with it, to be fair. There's probably odd points where my dad got annoyed because it didn't take much to get him annoyed anyway. <laughs> uh, we all love Pete. Yeah. Uh, but no, they were, they were pretty good with it, to be fair. They, they never really got too, uh, too annoyed. They were a bit... I remember when I, when I quit my job for it, they weren't too sure. They didn't, like, go crazy. But, but yeah, thought, I, was, I was about to go into that. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the experience of quitting my job, but I know what it was like quitting uni. Yeah. Um, so when you kind of went home to them... Mm-hmm. Did you go home and speak in person or did you text? Did you ring? I, can't, I know I rung my boss. I rang him at night and I don't know if I told them before. I think I'd mentioned it a few times and they were saying, don't do it yet, don't do it yet. Uh, and then when I, I think I just, I don't think I told them when I actually did it. I did it first and then told them, oh, I've done it. Yeah, I remember I texted my mum. I, I bottled it completely. I was like, I can't speak to him in person. Yeah. See, I think I did. I just told him. I think because I think it was that night. I think I rang my boss, told him, and then I told him like, "Oh, I've handed my notice in." What was the reaction to that? I'm sure my. I think they didn't say a lot, but I'm sure my dad said something like, "You stupid" or something. Something. <laughs> you stupid, stupid. bastard! Yeah, no. <laughs> right, fuck off. And then back to TV and just watch TV again. Um, but yeah, it's something. It wasn't like a. It wasn't really bad, but it wasn't like a positive reaction. Like, oh, you've quit your job to start selling stuff. On Which is weird because. If you think about it in the grand scheme of things, it's such a huge accomplishment. Mm. But I think it's the generational difference. And it's the exact same with mine. Yeah. Like it's a generational difference of you've now quit safety mm-hmm. to go into risk. Take a massive risk, yeah. And you get into the age now where in society, mm-hmm. you're going to be looking at buying a house. You're going to get a partner. You're going to get married. Yeah. What if it all goes tits up? You've That's left it. safety for all that. Yeah. That, that's kind of what you've got to do, isn't it? Um, but like you say, like, it's, it's just a generational thing, I think. Um, I think times have definitely changed. Yeah, to be fair. Like our generation now, there's so many self-employed people. Yeah, there are. Um, yeah, I don't know why, for whatever reason. I think it's just like technology and stuff. More people can be self-employed. We've grown up with social got, media, haven't we? Yeah, you don't have to like be a market trade seller or something like that. Now you can be like, you can design websites or you can do like- From the comfort of your bed. Yeah, you don't have to leave your house. Yeah. Like, uh, so it's, I think it's just technology and stuff. You can do anything really, can't you? So you start getting wholesale. Mm-hmm. You had to take over half the garage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can imagine Pete's face. <laughs> right, have the fucking garage. They <laughs> yeah. want best, please, but it was that odd take over the house. So, <laughs> so at what point then- do you go, because it's, it's all right being in the comfortable situation of you guys are taking a bit of money out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that comes to you then. Apart from that and boxes and labels, there's no expenses. No. Then there comes the period of we either settle and just continue doing it from the house, maintain the sales we've got, or we ramp up. But to ramp up brings a whole new world. Yeah. Um, it's a world I was scared of, yeah. um, of getting a warehouse or some sort of space, yeah. separate space away from your house. Yeah. Um, before going into that, you obviously said you worked in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. How did you find the work-home balance? Because I struggled a lot. Yeah. Where, do you know where like, you're spending all day doing boxing up like, on your bed? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get to like, the end of the day, you go like that on your bed sleep in it, Basically, wake yeah. up and repeat. Yeah. That kind of like got me mentally in a bad place doing that. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, I mean, for a lot of it, because obviously I didn't quit my job until April. I wasn't there in the day, but it was kind of oh, weird. Oh, you were kind of doing it at night time, yeah. Yeah, but that was still 
not great because you'd be working all day and then you come back like oh fuck's sake now there's all this stuff to deal with and then you, it just wouldn't like you'd be going to sleep and there'd be boxes yeah. like, next to your bed and it's like fuck's sake um but there, there, it was what a few months three or four months where i was not working anywhere else was self-employed and working at home um but it wasn't too bad because isaac was at uni which he kind of fobbed off kind of hand in hand with me quitting my job Isaac didn't he didn't drop out of uni but he started fobbing uni off a bit more yeah. a bit more a bit more so he kind of came around and there was both of us to kind of tackle stuff so we started getting through stuff a bit quicker um so and, we, and like say it was because it was April so it was starting to get a bit warmer we did a bit more like outside and we'd use like the garage and outdoor space a bit more because otherwise it was just so you kind of got your bedroom back because you wasn't buying so much stuff where it was stacked up around you while you were sleeping. You kind of get it in that day, get it out that Try day. Try get it out that day, yeah. Um, and because of it being warmer, we could use like outside and we did just kind of stop using the, the room a bit, which was nice. Yeah. Because um, I definitely would have struggled if not. <laughs> so going to then the warehouse situation, what was your thought process then? Um, was it kind of, we've got money now, mm-hmm. we're paying ourselves, we need to step up one way or another. Um, or was it kind of being pushed out by mum? Uh, it wasn't pushed out as such. They probably made like odd little, like they were gently nudging, like, can we have our house back, please? Yeah. The um, house we've paid for. But it was mainly like we outgrew the space as well. Um, like the garage just wasn't really big enough. And obviously it's like, well, it's okay. We can use the outdoor space while the weather's good. But what do you do when... It's like, pissing it down. We can store <laughs> stuff in the garage, but we couldn't work in it. So yeah. we're thinking like we need somewhere. Um, so that it, it was mainly a space thing. The money thing, it wasn't like the money was, I mean, the money was there, I guess, but it still didn't really feel like a, a wise choice financially. It still felt like a big risk because it's like a thousand, it, the, the warehouse we got was a thousand pound a month, which is, I remember, I remember the warehouse you got, it was two and a half thousand square foot. Yeah. And to go from a garage, which is probably not much bigger than this set. No. In terms of the space you're working in. Yeah. To two and a half thousand square foot. Now I can't put two and a half thousand square foot into like your brains, but it's big. It's it's big, yeah. And when you're still in there and it's empty, it's really big. Yeah. <laughs> when you've moved everything out, your crowded room and crowded garage and it hasn't even filled the dime. That's the thing. That's what we realized quickly. We was like, wow, we need so much space. Like the the room was getting full, the the garage is full, all this. And then you get it in a warehouse and go, oh, it's just tucked away nicely in the corner. The rest of it's still empty. <laughs> We've got so much room. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we don't actually need this space. Um, but it was kind of future planning a bit as well, thinking we maybe will need this space. Um, what length lease did you sign on it? It was five with a break clause after three. So we said like, so it's five years, but if after three, you had the option of yeah, to going, leave. do you want to stay? Do you want to go? Yeah. Which is a long lease. Still a long lease. By, yeah. In our business anyway. Um, obviously, in some businesses, they stay in the same building for 20, 30 years. Yeah. But in the business where kind of you've seen how much it can snowball, in three years, so many things change. Yeah, that's it. Um, so was you shitting yourself when you first moved in? When you kind of put everything in that corner? Yeah. I think I, got, I helped you guys move some stuff, I think. I think yeah, um, that's all, all chipped in. And, yeah, uh, and you kind of walk in and you look around and go, fuck. Yeah. This is so big and it's so expensive. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Scumfop's so cheap compared yeah. to down south and it stuff. Is, yeah, yeah. It um, is. But even still, in terms of the grand scheme of things, of paying zero pounds yeah. for a garage yeah. to now paying a thousand pounds a month plus rates, plus electricity, plus mm-hmm. water. Yeah, there's all those things. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, um, 
a big change. I remember it because we wouldn't have even got the warehouse because um, obviously the landlord, this landlord, he like where the warehouse is. Um, he owns like brick. Yeah, basically brick. <laughs> he owns like most of the commercial property there. And he looked at us like two 19-year-olds and he's like, mm, and he was speaking to the, the travel agent, the travel agent, the uh, estate agent guy who was there. Um, and he was saying like, yeah, I don't really want to, like obviously he didn't trust Lease us. it to two 19-year-olds. Yeah, so we had to, uh, my dad had to sign like a... Guarantor. Yeah, he had to sign it as a guarantor to basically say, if you can't pay it, your dad's got to pay it. And it's like, all right, so we'll leave Brilliant. you Brilliant. <laughs> but if we can't pay for that, can you pay for that? And obviously he couldn't, but he was kind of taking a risk on us as well, going... Well, Which is kind of like it. a flip in, in his thought process. Yeah. Because it was one thing when you started, then you quit your job, and he's kind of going, fuck, Brandon might fuck up here. Yeah. But then he's willing to take that risk of you yeah. fucking up yeah. by paying rent for three years. Yeah, he, he did... Um, yeah, he must have had some faith in us at that point. Uh, so without him but, doing that, do you think it'd have even been possible? I don't. No, I don't think he'd have. He'd have given us it. Like, I'm sure that was just like a non-negotiable. Like you need a guarantee. Need a guarantee. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Like one little thing. Like your dad believing in you. Yeah. Or maybe even if he didn't believe in you, just your dad managing to sign a form. Yeah, yeah. And going piss off out my house. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted his garage back. That's kind of put you where you are now. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, um, That's like butterfly effect shit. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah, I didn't really think about it at the time, to be fair, but um, he did. Yeah, I just thought, like, will you do it? Like, please, like, just... <laughs> please, Dad. On, like, just, you want your garage back? But no, it was a, a, a big show of faith at the time, to be fair. Uh, so going from that, you get your warehouse. Um, is that when you started ramping up wholesale? Yeah, so we, we took on our first staff member uh, within, like, the first month or so. How was that? It was good, but looking back now, it's like, why did we do that? We weren't... Was you kind of like overwhelmed by how to run a business? Obviously, Isaac did business at uni, mm-hmm. but until, I, f- I feel like until you own a business, you don't know how to run a business. Well, that's what he was saying. That's, that he said, that's like, why he sacked off uni, wasn't he? Yeah, it? like my lecturer doesn't have a business. He's teaching me about business. I have a business. And yeah. at the time, it's like, it's like we're doing 30 grand a month in sales, which obviously <laughs> isn't crazy, but it's like we're doing 30 yeah, grand yeah. a month in sales. This guy doesn't have a business. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure he'd say the same, but he basically says like it doesn't, really like you say it doesn't teach you anything until you're actually running the business you don't really know like you have to just kind of figure it out as you go along so when you got the warehouse then was it kind of like in your head going right warehouse staff yeah, without think, thinking we can just do it ourselves i think we just got on this kind of thing of like automation like we should have staff if we've got a warehouse we should have this we should have that and it kind you of wanted the dream on. there yeah. and then i don't know if it's just kind of like influences around us people in the space saying like yeah. oh, you, need, you need vas which are virtual assistants you need like like you're a business owner you should be working on the business not in the business yeah it's you like, shouldn't do any yeah. hours work you should be sat in the beach yeah and, and then there's us two doing like whatever we were doing maybe a little bit more when we got into the warehouse 40 50 grand a month i don't know and it's like yeah we should have staff we should do this and you just start incurring costs like more costs um and yeah it, it was good because it's like right we've got a staff member now so it was also kind of it wasn't reliant on us. We knew that no matter what, this staff member would take care of units. Money would be ticking. And yeah, so it was, it was good in that sense. It did feel good. And like hiring someone, that just felt crazy anyway. That is weird to go. I expect, was the person younger or older than you? Older. It was Isaac's cousin, actually. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Uh, so how was that? Because I've got a few employees that are older than me. Yeah. And even though now it's normal, mm-hmm. at the start, like when you're employing someone older than you, and I don't want to like belittle them. Yeah. But 
as like a 19 year old hiring someone older how did that feel yeah. like is it feel like foreign land yeah it kind of um because i kind of knew isaac's cousin a little bit you kind of just go down the route of like oh they're my pal and you just speak to them like you're not like a boss. your friends and like yeah. and you just hope that nothing comes up that you're gonna have to <laughs> shout at them for or, or be a boss you just think yeah. oh, that's all right we're just three friends chilling i've literally done that for the last six years yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's just the easy way but um that that's how it started and then it, it wasn't until later because after that it was kind of younger people that we've hired it wasn't until like the last few years that we've gone back to hiring some people older and then you just you just kind of you reach a point don't you like well i need to say something yeah or you just, just become a boss taking the piss yeah out you me, naturally yeah. become a boss don't you yeah like, that's yeah, why i feel yeah. like again like uni and education they say this is how you deal with conflict this is how you deal with that it's like have you ever dealt with a person in person yeah and they're giving you shit or they're not doing as your business would like and you're losing money because of them yeah have you ever dealt with that in person no you haven't that's the thing yeah and that's where i feel like you, you kind of have to put yourself out of your comfort zone to then learn to then be a better boss kind of thing yeah basically i think it just reaches a point where it's like i'm gonna have to do something like i can't just yeah do this forever so have you had did you have anything at the start where i'm gonna call it like shit times where you you kind of got with isaac and was like fuck uh not or was like, it kind of the start smooth sailing kind of thing the start was all pretty much smooth sailing it wasn't until um i'd say i don't know if it was that year the back end of sort of that year um it can't be the back end of you for maybe just before the back end of that year so probably only a few months into it we kind of realized we don't need all this space we're paying for this space and there wasn't like cash flow issues as such but when you look at the expenses it's like that's a big chunk like the staff member the warehouse rent the like you say like the water the electricity you look at all that and go we're only running like this amazon business here and it was like the staff member wasn't busy all the time so we looked at like what else can we do to kind of cover bills um and at the time with like the whole oara thing like um on instagram and mainly instagram a little bit of facebook there was loads of people who had like instagram profiles set up for it weren't they like oa flipper or whatever yeah yeah there was all kind like of names instagram accounts set up to like flipping on amazon so you'd speak to all these people um and just a few people that we were speaking to at the time um for whatever reason i think they just they were in a similar space to what we were before we got the warehouse but they didn't want to take on a warehouse and they just said oh if i send you some units can you prep them for me and i'll pay you some sort of fee so they were kind of stuck as well yeah where they can't expand out the house yeah because i'm guessing and, and same with me a lot of them were down south yeah that's so it thing, wouldn't yeah. have even been viable for them to get a warehouse space. no if you're in london or somewhere you can't just go oh let's go get a warehouse like where yeah because it's like and... four grand a month for what we're paying a grand a month this for. is it so then they saw you as an opportunity who's up north um got the space and now got the time and the staff you've got everything and it kind of worked out well for both relationships to kind of it fixes your not cash flow issue yeah. but it fixes your problem you've got yeah too much space yeah it helps yeah. us like bridge the gap like we then had something that could go towards covering the cost of the work so then like the in our in our minds if people could send those products and then um we charge them and that just covers the rent and the staff member everything you do yeah the product selling side's back to great like when we yeah. first started it where it's literally like there's not really any cost tied to it and you're just flipping um the products for profit and it's just your wages that come out of it all really and that's it so that was for those who don't know it's called a prep center so you kind of started was, was you officially a prep center 
No, it was all just, uh, well, no. At first, it was just a few people that were speaking to on Instagram and then went, oh, let's register a website for it. I think it was fbaprepcenter.co.uk, something Classic. like that. Classic. But it was all under the same, same company. Yeah. Um, so it was all just under one name, but we did register a website, I think, the next year and actually went, well, let's just try and push let's this Let's have a, a go, bit. yeah. Like, there's actually legs in this, um, in the FBA, like, forwarding, prepping space. Um, and it wasn't until a few years later that we actually registered a separate company for it. Um, we'll go into that in a second, but going back to Instagram, mm-hmm. that was kind of, I'd say, our first site out of Scumthorpe mm. and kind of broadening our horizons to what could be possible. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, .com Hustle. Tom. Tom. Yeah. I remember Tom, like we'd speak to Tom and Tom did private label or wholesale? Yeah, all did did everything. Yeah, everything. Tom did everything. Yeah. Um, And you kind of, back then on Instagram as well, it was kind of everyone was bragging about sales numbers. Yeah. You kind of look around and go, right, who's actually telling the fucking truth around here? Um, But Tom, I remember he was real quiet about it, but then he kind of like, we had a close-knit group. Yeah. um, And he kind of like showed us his figures, didn't he? Of kind of what was possible. Yeah. You go from being in Scunthorpe, which is it's not so much now there's a lot of self-employed people now but at the time it was quite a closed-minded town like you either work in a factory still works or you just go and do something yeah um to then going on social media and having like i know you had like thousands of followers on instagram eventually yeah you've then got all these people which they're all doing somewhat numbers and you've then got an insight as to what can actually come of it yeah rather than you kind of just trialing yeah. selling some makeup sets and you think shit it's working yeah you've seen someone that's done it for a few years even longer than the people we knew yeah and they've made a shit ton of money from it and like different ways of doing it. like say private label or like say i know in tom's case he buys like anything and everything and he'll just sit on it and hold it until yeah. the money and like there's just different ways of doing it you don't have to just go like go to a retail store try flip it as fast as possible there's, there's different ways and it was good to just yeah like you say see what else is out there and what's possible. Like there's some guys in America, they do crazy numbers even now still. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Like some people are bragging. It's usually because they want to like, I don't know, sell you something or whatever. Sell you a course, but, yeah. But, um, the great course people. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's good to see to be fair. And you meet loads of people. There was like seller meetups, which was good. We went to one in London, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and it's good to be fair. It was just, because you kind of feel like a bit of a loner or a bit like, outside the norm when you're doing it people just think like you're, you're a saddo i think because you don't have any time for anything else you're just constantly like sourcing products or doing something to do with your business so it was good to just meet other people who were i remember like a bit later on going further down the line but like we play football and that we'd like get the piss taken out of us cause like them amazon people or like we fucking box up shit for yeah living. yeah but then you go into the Instagram world. It's like we live two different lives. Yeah. Like going to the Instagram world where everyone's so supportive. Yeah. And there's crazy numbers all over. But everyone's rich. Yeah. And then you kind of come back to your normal life and you're getting the piss taken out because you packed makeup sets. Again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah. That was like a crazy time to live in. Yeah. It's, um, it was quite weird. It was kind of grounding, I guess, at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. If you lived in the, just in like the Scumthorpe world, It'd just get you down. There's no motivation. You down. Yeah. But then if you live in the Instagram world, it's kind of like a false reality because everyone's like, look at all my sales numbers. <laughs> and it's like, so it's good. I suppose it was kind of good. It didn't feel at the time, but it was kind of good to just have both and kind of keep you level and grounded. 
So the Instagram you guys had called Amazon Success Creation. Yeah, we changed it eventually, but that's what it that's what it was born as. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of became a big thing. Was that before or after the prep center was registered as its own company? It was a little bit after because when we started signing up more clients in the prep center, we realized like some people would just go, I want to start selling Amazon. I don't really know how it works. And we constantly be guiding them through the whole process, going like this is how you create a shipment or this is how and you he was do doing whatever. that for free. Yeah. And then we thought, well, why don't we, we saw like other people selling courses and apparently some of these courses were like crap. Yep. So it's like, well, why don't we build like a really good course? Um, and it was, it was a real ball egg to build to be fair. It took like months. And I months. remember you kind of like, you guys went off the radar a bit. You yeah. were just kind of working day and night on the course. Yeah, because we're still like running the prep center and running the Amazon business in the day. And then usually it'd be like evenings, like we'd buy like recording equipment and try and just, you'd have to map out what, what it is people even want to know. Like what is selling an Amazon start to finish? Right, let's break that down into modules. How many videos is that? What? And you've got to record the videos. And it, it took ages. It just took a really, really long time. Do you regret it? No, to be, f- no, to be fair, no. It was good. It was... um. Like I say, it was a tedious process, but it was good because, again, we met some people through that um, and we've helped some people through that um, who are still selling to this day and doing well. So it's That's a good feeling to have, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good feeling. Um, so no, don't regret it. It was, it was good. And at the time, like, we, we made a, some good money from it. Um, I don't know what the hourly rate would have worked out like because it did take a serious long time <laughs> to build and still helping people and guiding people through it. it but the good thing with courses is usually you'd get like a bunch of money in one go. Yes, yeah, so you spend like four or five months or six months, whatever, building this course without getting anything. And then you yeah. do a drop and sell a load and it's nice. But um, you get a big whack of money. It's like, whoa, I got yeah. that for free. It's just that period when you're building it like, is anyone going to buy it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, don't regret it. It was good. It was something different. I don't know if I'd do it again because now no. that space is just... There's a lot of like cowboys in there. And when you say like, oh, we have a course, you just feel like a bit of a prick. I, I even felt like even back then, the course people just couldn't be trusted. No, that's the thing. And I feel like that's the kind of gap you kind of broke into. Tried to, yeah. But then trying to di- mindle yourself between the bullshit yeah. to kind of say like, we're trying not to feed you bullshit. Yeah. But then you reach a point where the people who sell loads of courses, they're full of bullshit and they're really good at selling. So it's like, and it well, works. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're not those guys. We're trying to build a course that's good, but you have to be like a bullshit to try and sell more. And it's like, I think it's just not really for us. It doesn't really sit right anymore. And then you end up taking some people on who, I remember one, one time, because um, we used to do like webinars to try and like, like push them. Um, and on one time, some guy said, oh, I've just got my redundancy money. Um, I don't know how much he had, but he said like, right, if I buy your course and I've got like a thousand pounds to buy a product or whatever it was, he was like, can you guarantee that'll, that'll work or whatever? It's like, no. And it's like, <laughs> I don't want to be taking on these people and taking on that responsibility where it's like- All their life savings yeah. are going into you. And it's like, I, we helped some people and some people did really well, which was great. But then on the flip side, you've got people who could lose it all or, and, and it just didn't really, you can give someone all the information, but if they don't follow something right or don't, or they skip through the videos or whatever, I don't know. It's kind of what you guys had at the start, getting fed information. If you'd have kind of just done fuck all with it, yeah, fuck all would have came from it. That's it, yeah. You kind of have to put in the work, and I think a lot of people saw it, and it's such a 
like you saying of get rich quick scheme yeah they think like pay someone for the answers and i won't have to do anything it's like no no you still need to yeah work you still hard. gotta work very and hard. we try to communicate that but then people are like yeah cool yeah yeah <laughs> they're not really listening they're like yeah i'm gonna work hard <laughs> anyway right here's the money i'll buy the course <laughs> and then it'll just work um so yeah it's interesting but i wouldn't at the no. minute I, I don't see going back into that space at all in any kind of i just no. don't know it's a different world you've got to be like a real kind of sales showman and sales yeah and it's just not really for me yeah. right turn the eating on got a kombucha it's the first time i've ever had a kombucha you like sweet stuff so is this not the one then uh it tastes sweeter than what it should do cultured it's, drink Does that yeah, means it's good for your gut yeah it's fermented which isn't doesn't really oh, sound like dear. a selling point i like it but um Well, it's not bad. It's all right to say it's got like no sugar in it. I mean, I wouldn't choose it. I just, yeah, I try not to have like fizzy drinks and stuff. I'm on a bit of a. It fills that gap of fizzy drinks, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's it's not bad. And it's like naturally sweetened, not like all these like fucking whatever they are. Like, well, there's no ones. sweeteners in there. Uh, there is. There's stevia, stevia which is a good sweetener which is from a plant. So ah, I can't not be bad. That I ever doubted you, bro. Yeah, so it's all right. I'm on a bit of a health thing. Right, so we then go on to, we've gone through Instagram. Um, I know you was one of the accounts which had one of the biggest followings in like the Instagram world. Um, we lived in like this Amazon Instagram world and there was a few like leading people and you and Isaac was one of the groups that kind of led the way. Yeah. Um, yes. You use that to then kind of capitalize and give courses out. Um, you say you don't regret it, but it's like a learning curve that you wouldn't do again. Um, then you move on to like the prep center. So mm -hmm. that having, I swear at some point you had like two and a half thousand followers. Am I wrong? No, I think it might've even been more. Was it more? It, I know it we, had, quite, I think we had just over a thousand. I know you had quite a bit more. It, end, I mean, it might've been like five or something. What was it? it? It got quite big, but then it just, uh, we just stopped kind of posting when we kind of realized like, don't really want to do any of it anymore. Like the course thing kind of put us off YouTube and everything. We'll put a few more YouTube videos out there. Like how, how did you ones. find the YouTube? Because obviously, I mean, you sat here now about yeah. to be on YouTube, but it's very different kind of sat just having a chat with a mate than it is having a subject yeah. to then spill shit looking straight at a camera. Yeah, and you're trying to kind of the whole time like stare at the camera and be loud. And you're be trying, really... Yeah, you're trying to be YouTube-y. Yeah. And, and it... knowing you from school, that's not you. No. And you, and you or Isaac. Of... No, yeah. It, um, we did kind of grow to it. Um, like, I definitely enjoyed parts of it. It was hard, say, if you had, like, a script and you'd go, fuck, I missed that bit, or you'd record, you'd have, like, issues where you'd record a whole video and go, shit, didn't turn the camera on, or whatever. And <laughs> I mean, during bit... that break, I literally just went to check all the cameras and the audio <laughs> because I was on. shitting myself that we recorded for an hour and <laughs> thought, oh, God, the audio is not on. Yeah. <laughs> but so there was little things like that. Um, we did kind of grow to, to like it. I, I, I don't even know the YouTube kind of came before the courses anywhere i think i think for some reason we did just decide to put a couple of videos out there 
Was it like informational videos? Yeah. So it's like free, free courses. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we first started out with. Maybe we went, right, let's just give people free info. And then, but then you realize that people aren't going to go on YouTube and sit and watch a really long video. They're not going to do anything. They're sold by the idea of a course. Yeah. So, um, so it started out as just like free little bits of info. Like we're going to break the course thing. We're going to give people free For info. free. <laughs> and then you realize like, ah, oh, that didn't really work. And it's like, who wants to record a yeah. 45 minute video and not get anything for it really? Like. It yeah, is a little bit free about video, the money. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, people are like, I do it because I want to change people's no, no, lives. It's about it's like, the you money. do a bit, but... <laughs> it's about the money. You don't say no to the money. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of came first, the YouTube. Um, and um, we did kind of just grow to like it. Um, you got a big following on YouTube as well. Yeah, that... Um, again, because of all that, that's literally... That, that channel has been paused, taken down. It's just like, I don't want to pull anyone is that is in. that kind of... Um, sector in your life being gone yeah like we're still the instagram's still active i don't have it on my phone but i think instagram active yeah so it's still there um i don't really go on it but we're still like the people that we kind of met from that that space i just kind of followed personally and i just like the people i still want to speak to i just kind of brought them onto my personal social and just because there's also a lot of air in that whole world and some of it was just like it's just bs yeah so um I don't know. It was good. Met some interesting people. Met some sausages. <laughs> some uh, silly sausages on there. And uh, there was a few sausages I used to. I wanted to follow them just to see the content, just to then kind of like sit there and go, "You are a knob." Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, so I ended up just yeah, it's still there, but don't really do anything with it. And um, YouTube, I'd, I'd maybe be open to again, but not in the sense of like a. Like the course is not, just course not for me based. and all that being like show because it's just not really me. YouTube, I, I don't know. It's not right now. I'm not. Um, How I'm did not. you find, again, small mind, uh, small town mindset? Mm-hmm. YouTube is not a thing in Scunthorpe. No, I think like, that you was... are an absolute nerd if you did YouTube. I got yeah. bullied in like year 10. Yeah, probably by YouTube. some of the lads too far. Yeah, it was. Some bits too, no, yeah. it was. It was literally, <laughs> yeah. I used to play games. I was thinking I'm going to be the next KSI. Um, but. You start to do YouTube videos and they're there for not just Amazon World to see because you kind of have to push it on your own social media to get it out there. Yeah. you now got people around the town seeing you talk in this way yeah. and acting up to camera, etc. And I remember as well, this would be mentioned at football, like you're the fucking YouTube losers. Yeah. Um, Bezos boys Bezos that. boys that's that was it. the one I was Bezos thinking boys. about earlier yeah oh the Bezos boys yeah thinking we're best mates with Jeff yeah yeah how did you find like the criticism on YouTube and did it because when I started doing the game and think I'm let's KSI mm-hmm. I'd like to say that being bullied didn't, yeah. didn't affect me yeah but it would have done because it then makes you think right well this is not this is not what I want. I don't want to get shit taken out of me. No. And sometimes it's in like the back of your mind when you're recording. That's probably one of the only nagging things. Like, I feel like a prick. Like, imagine if they were stood there now watching me, like, record this. That's what's weird. Like, you look at a camera, and when you guys had a big following, you kind of look at the camera, and there's like 500,000 people sat behind that camera. Yeah. Some of which are people that don't like us in our town. No, yeah. That's the thing. But I, I think the thing that kind of got us through it, I mean, it helps also having, because there was two of us, so one of you. You can kind of talk the other one through it. If one of the isn't feeling it or they're having a bit of, like, the other one can usually just get you through it. So that kind of helped. But also, if we're making good money on Amazon, on the prep, like, everything was, it's like, to be honest, I don't care. Yeah, Yeah, who cares? Yeah, I don't don't care. Say what you want. Here's Um, a question. Just why you said that, Daniel, you and Isaac assisted each other through it. 
do you think that either had you and Isaac not been friends or if you had been friends but you'd done it in a way that kind of you guys, me and Ollie did it Mm -hmm. in terms of your complete separate ways, do you think that you and him would both be where you are? It's hard to say. I think, I mean, before like leaving school and stuff, business wasn't even in my like thought process. It's like, I'm not a businessman. Like I don't, it just wasn't even in my thought process. Isaac studied business at uni and I always just thought even like, oh, he'll do something in business. Yeah, we always like, had that idea that he was going to own a business at some yeah. point. Because um, he was a bit more like Del Boy. Sort yeah, he's, of like, he used to sell vans as an apprenticeship. It's like, right, he's got it in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. If, it's a, if me and Isaac didn't do that and I was just left to my own devices in my apprenticeship, probably not, to be fair. I don't, I don't know. Maybe something would have reared its head. But I wasn't really looking. I don't know. I was just kind of a bit getting a bit miserable but unless something kind of popped up to me like it did with isaac telling me about amazon yeah i don't know if i was really looking in the right places i didn't even think about you kind of fall into it don't you yeah kind of stumbled across it if we started amazon and for whatever reason went our separate ways i think i probably still would because once you've tasted it a bit and you go oh i can make my own decisions like i can decide what i do with my day i can decide what my income is to a degree like because what i do with my day generally has something to do with your income Um, yeah so just having that control and deciding once you've tasted it it is i think you just keep trying like you see people or you hear about people that are trying it for 20 years 30 years and they're just they're not getting it right and they keep like they keep failing businesses keep shutting down they keep fucking it up but they (laughs) they get there and they keep persevering because they just love the idea of being their own boss and deciding what they do well, they say, don't they, like, a lot of successful people is you never, ever see the shit they've been through. No, you yeah. You just see the overnight success. Yeah, basically, yeah. So it's kind of like everyone thought it's like a get-rich-quick scheme of us. Yeah. Of, like, you just had money. Yeah. There was never times where you was on zero on apprenticeship wage, selling makeup sets, and you was taking nothing. Yeah. It's just kind of we fell into money in their eyes. Pretty much, yeah. So going, back to, going back to YouTube, uh-huh. I want to bring up something that kind of led from there, yeah. you got a TV opportunity. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. So that's kind of like the scale you got to of yeah. being kind of like two Dell boys on YouTube. Yeah. A TV opportunity got given to you. Yeah. You know, talk me through how you, like, how you felt. Like you, I know you declined it, mm-hmm. but that's such like a big thing for the normal world to reach into the Amazon world. Mm. How did you feel when that kind of came through? Yeah, it was kind of at first because you, you just get all sorts of BS emails from like your YouTube. You end up with like web people saying, oh, your SEO is not right or whatever. Um, so at first we're like, is it even is real? It real? Yeah. So, um, but then they got on a call, this studio's company, um, and they were running like a new, a new program, Clearance Wars, Storage Wars, not Storage Wars. It was like Storage Wars, but it was called yeah, something yeah. like Clearance something. It involved like buying... You'd buy like containers of stuff or pallets of stuff and then just try sell it however you sell it. Like it sounded okay, but uh, I don't know. Um, didn't really sit right. I think just going on TV and having someone record all these things and then they can manipulate it how they want. Yeah, there's one thing sat in front of a camera where you're in complete control. Yeah. And there's another where you're then revealing all your secrets, one. Yeah. Like the, everything you've built. Yeah. And then also 
they can make you out to be a completely different person. To That's you the know. thing. They're going to go, we're going to make him out to be a knob. We're going to make him look thick. For we're the gonna, sake of TV. Yeah, and they're going to decide that. Um, it's like uh, The Apprentice. Like, There's always characters. Yeah, they, and they, don't, make pick, they the don't pick like, the best candidates for that. They then go, these people are really good at business. They go, like, he's, he's an idiot. Knob. Yeah, she's <laughs> a knob. He's, yeah, like they, they want good TV, don't they? They don't care about like you or... Was it exciting though? It was a bit like having these calls and them telling you how it all work. It literally got to the point we actually kind of fobbed them off and didn't even tell them. Like it got to the point where there was like booking hotels, uh, and it was literally like the week before we just thought we don't think we're gonna make it. And I was like, "What do you mean?" And then we just stopped replying basically. Yeah, because they were just persistent. They'd be ringing you from all sorts of places. And I think there was something going on. I don't know if it was one of the lads' birthdays or something, or I'm sure which is more important than a TV opportunity. Well, we just Let thought, me I don't tell you miss that because this thing just sounds a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we had, I'm sure we had like a busy period at work. And it was one of the lads' birthdays in that. And we thought, well, I'd rather be at one of the lads' birthdays. I'd rather be in the lakes. <laughs> and also the business, like we know that that's our income and that's what we do. You don't need TV. Yeah, this TV thing, it could, you could just go on it, make no money, made out to look like a knob and it's on TV and everywhere forever. Mm. So we just didn't really didn't Passed go on it. it. Yeah. So then. We'll go back into the prep center because that was kind of your second business. Yeah. Did you feel much more comfortable then, especially with being in a similar sector? Um, obviously, starting your own business as selling on Amazon is a big thing. It's mm-hmm. a massive step. Was kind of the prep center like, we'll just repeat the process. We'll just make another business. Sort of, yeah. It, I mean, it, we kind of stumbled into the prep center at first, obviously, just trying to cover our costs. Yeah. yeah. Until we thought, well, let's push it and make it a, a proper business that we actually registered a separate one and went, let's run advertisements, let's do all these things and, and make a proper go of it. Um, so it wasn't, it was sort of the same, but it wasn't because it was, it's a different kind was of Was you more industry. comfortable though? Uh, or was you still like when you started a business, did you have the same thrill? Like, I know when we started, even though it cost 12 quid and literally anybody can do it. Yeah. Anybody can go on government gateway and just, Start. register a company yeah, register a company it costs pay, 12 quid yeah pay 12 pounds like congratulations <laughs> I'm a director yeah yeah oh, but when you first started it it's like oh my god yeah I'm a director was it the same feeling of now like we've got two businesses uh i don't know if it was like we've got two but there was excitement because it's like when you start anything i guess especially with like a new business you think like what can this do and it's like oh like a, a prep center like this can what was your reason big. for splitting it we just thought it was a bit neater like having the, the Amazon selling side and having the prep center, we thought it's a little bit neater because having all like your Amazon business and all the transactions, then you've got prep money coming in and then you thought hiring staff. So we thought like, let's just separate it for accounting. Um, but accounting at the same time, you're then having to do two lots. Yeah, we just, I think it was just so it was a bit neater. I, I literally just think we thought, well, if we're going to make a real go of it, yeah, I don't want to make a go of this prep center thing and then have like an Amazon business running in that because we just thought it's not the proper thing to, to do. You then really have to matter. spend more effort going, right, what's prep income? Is prep income working? What's yeah, prep expenses? It was a lot of work, and it probably wasn't really necessary at the time, but then you'd have to do it at some point. Um, yeah. So we just thought, if we're going to make a proper go of it, let's just register a separate thing. Almost like, not start over, but just let's give it like a fresh, a fresh go at it. Um, and yeah, it was mainly just for neatness. Like I say, it probably wasn't really even necessary at the time. So did you stop the courses before doing that? Uh, no, I think the courses were kind of on and off as we were doing so that. So during that time, you're selling on Amazon. Mm-hmm. 
doing courses. Yeah. Starting a prep center. Doing YouTube. Yeah. You were still uploading content to Instagram. Yeah. Was you overwhelmed? Was there ever a time you thought, shh, I'm knackered? Yeah, I'd say yeah. But then also, when we, when we had all those things going on, I'd say we weren't really at our best. Like, you couldn't fully focus on anything. That's the issue that I think a lot of people have is like, yeah, don't put all your eggs in one basket. But if you separate your eggs, yeah, your baskets aren't getting the best of you. No, that's it. So we was, like, say if we were, like, really excited about the prep, the Amazon side had dropped down. And, like... We, would, we did like automate. We had virtual assistants, these people in the Philippines, like checking things for us to buy and doing some of the process. But if you're not fully kind of involved and you're just leaving like these VAs or automations to run, it's not... The business still needs to be run. It still needs to be run, yeah. Um, so it, we're kind of focused on one thing and then we take our eye off that and onto the next and you're constantly just like trying to spin plates and nothing was really going on we were doing okay but like it, it just felt like we weren't really our best in any any of the things we were doing so what gave in first out of all those what kind of you decided oh, let's just stop that the amazon side kind of took a a pause i'd say because we're focused on the core selling side just because we're like i enjoy it like you don't have to buy products or do anything this worry about where you're storing it because we've got like prep uh, we've got like prep clients uh, products coming in as well and it's like do we have space and all these yeah, problems yeah. it's like well you just make a video or make a course and it's easy you can run it from anywhere you've got like this laptop lifestyle it's not as bulky uh, so the amazon side took a pause we didn't stop doing it but we kind of just took our eye off of it and then we kind of just stopped eventually we ultimately stopped the the course selling side and youtube and all that then we kind of focused on smart the prep side and then uh, the amazon side just came back into it and we kind of got smart properly off the ground and really like nailed like right let's make a real go with this now let's completely so you had smart fulfillment as the logistics side mm-hmm. and then you went into private label didn't you yeah so if i remember rightly i was i was buzzing as well because it, it like showed me an insight then and probably you guys as well into not just that amazon thing this was kind of like your product you yeah. had cinnamon tablets yeah that was exciting I was actually I remember. really excited for that. Like, wow, this is our actual brand. Like, you've had it printed and it's like, this is ours. Like, this isn't just someone else's. Because before you'd be buying, like, kids' toys. Monopoly, for example. Or whatever, that existed yeah. for years. And it's not yours. Like, you're just a middleman, aren't you? Buying it, flipping it. This is like, this is ours. No one else can sell this unless we sell it to them. Like, th- this is just ours now. Um, Did you feel then that that was, like, the, your set path? You're then going to create this. It was called NutriVibe. Yeah. You're then going to create this and just rinse and repeat kind of different kind of health supplements. And that was going to create your income from there. I think we'd, with that, we did kind of think because private label, uh, we kind of thought it is quite easy in terms of retail arbitrage, where you're constantly like, oh, this product doesn't sell well anymore, or the price has dropped on this one, whatever. Private label, because you have a lot of control, like it's your brand, you control where you you're You haven't got competitors. No, so we just thought, well, that's not going to take much running. You get it up off the ground. And then it doesn't take much running. So we didn't think that that was it. And we'd just dive in on that. That kind of was like a side thing. Um, but I think the niche we went into, like supplements, like people who've got private label brands, if they ever end up watching. Yeah, I mean, I say there was like, no oh, competition. There was a huge amount of competition. Yeah. There was no competition on your product. Couldn't have picked a more But there was competition thing. in the supplements. Yeah. yeah. And literally, we, met the, we went to see the manufacturer 
and he literally said to us all these products are rubbish like he owned this massive manufacturing company yeah, yeah. who did um like supplements and he said oh they're all crap like they contain that little amount of like cinnamon or whatever it is in them it was just how you market yeah them. they're basically useless and it's like oh so basically just selling like empty tablets basically like he's, he just said like yeah it's all crap um so did that, that make you feel shit but yeah, did it kind of like, like kill your buzz yeah it's like so the products aren't that good supplements for one is just massively oversaturated it did okay like nutribi but it did just we just it was just one of them where we just slowly it wasn't like we just went this isn't working it was like working okay doing making a bit of money but it didn't really like explode it didn't kick off no it was doing okay you could keep buying it and just sell bits and bobs we had like more products but the supplement thing just didn't really there's some big boys in there like maxi yeah, nutrition yeah. and stuff like that it's like they're hard. i don't they've know got how cash. we're gonna compete with them yeah, yeah they've got cash yeah so it yeah we kind of parked so is that kind of like slowed down smart fulfillment got bigger yeah smart was just kind of just plugging away the whole time because once you've got a client as long as you don't mess it up for them you kind of just building and growing yeah all the you time. just got you a done. snowball again yeah um so that was kind of just slowly building away in the background anyway like i say we weren't fully had our eyes on it at the start because we were looking at like private label and all these other things and all that but then when we parked private label the courses stopped all that and we properly looked it at was all smart. smart yeah so was the warehouse full by this point yes oh it, it was being filled by the prep center alone like you wasn't kind of having to rely on the prep center for to cover the wages and then your kind of goods would fill the rest of the space yeah we had like goods in there but it wasn't like it was we was pretty much all prep our amazon side was because we did a lot of fba we'd have like odd pallets in there but it was pretty much all just smart yeah just clients um so from there you started to build, build smart and again it's the same snowball with the prep center as it was with selling amazon in that eventually even though at the start when you moved into the warehouse, you thought, shit, this is massive. Yeah. Eventually, you fill it. Yeah. So when you started to fill that warehouse, what was your thought process then? Because obviously, go back to your mindset at the start when you shoved all the shit in the corner and you thought, oh, God, we fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> You've now, I think you had, it was like three, four staff members then? At that warehouse, before we took on another one, we got to the point where there was... You're thinking of tables, tables and with yeah, yeah. There was like <laughs> ten or, or twelve at one point in that little warehouse, which is crazy. Yeah, it didn't really. It wasn't the most like efficient, but we got to like it was like I'm sure it was ten, the tables that we had. Um, so ten people in that little warehouse, which two and a half thousand square foot might sound like a lot, but it's not to have ten staff in. Yeah, to have ten staff in, it's not. Yeah, as yeah. well as all the goods that are taking up space. Yeah, but we need to because the stuff was coming in that fast. It's like well, we can't store it. We need to just get it in, you get it out get as out, fast yeah. as possible. Um, so we end up, yeah, it was around 10 in there. And, but it was literally like every day you'd be like cramming the last pallet in or putting some on top of others to try and just get it to fit behind the door and then just shut the door and just leave it. <laughs> like we had to get the, um, there's a trucking company in the yard. And at that point, we, we went through like the first couple of years of having a warehouse without having a forklift. We just have a pallet truck. And we was like, wow, a forklift. And they'd be able to like, lift <laughs> Wow, we have put them on top of two others. layers. Yeah, and we didn't have racking or anything at that point. So, we so you just literally getting... just got floor level with all this above space. Above space is wasted. And we was like, forklifts, wow. <laughs> and you see, yeah, for the first like two years, we didn't have forklifts. We were just rolling stuff around the floor and there was just all this dead space above us. And we we're like, we don't have space. <laughs> just looking up at all the empty space. Um, so we eventually did that. We racked that place as well. But then again, got more full. Um, Going on the staff, 10 staff members, mm-hmm. uh, that's a big thing. And it, I think it's something that you overlook 
Yeah. Like you just go, right, I need to hire someone, hire them, continue. Right, I need to hire one more, hire them, continue. I don't think it's until you speak to somebody else and they go, oh, how many staff you got now? And you go 10, like casually, and they go, fucking hell. Yeah. Oh, that's decent. Did you ever kind of have a chance to step back and realize what you built? Uh, not really. Yeah. But at the same time, it was kind of just because it was that busy and hectic. We were kind of just in it and just trying to figure it out and just... That's a common problem, I think, with a lot of business owners is they're in it. Yeah. And they never get to, like, oversee. No. It's a problem I have as well is you never get to... And it's, yeah, I think this is where you rely on peers. Like, we'll come on to girlfriend in a minute. Um, That's where them kind of people who aren't in it yeah. can kind of say to you, like, you've done fucking sick. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when you have 10 staff members, as well as you're not doing that Amazon thing anymore, you've got a a well-run business you're now paying for people's income you're paying mm. for their mortgages how was that in terms of responsibility i know when we first got ours it was my sister mm. and i was responsible for my sister's rent and to care for my niece yeah that was scary yeah it's a it's a big um big responsibility in it and you think if, if, if you we fuck can't up pay them yeah it's this, this person's life this person's life and yeah um you kind of realize it at the time. You're just excited to be hiring someone or hiring someone else. But then when you think about it, like people who have 200 staff or 1,000 staff, or two, like it's a lot of people. That's a lot of lives that's in like one person's hands. Yeah. Was, was you ever, did you have, ever have shit times where you couldn't pay the staff and you kind of had to do something? So I, I'd gone one time, I had, to, I had a few savings. Mm-hmm. My nana had credit cards we had to move money from my account, her account, into the business account just to pay staff. Yeah. Did you ever have shit times like that? Not quite. Like, we had, like, cash flow problems. So, say, like, because obviously you're relying on, like, clients to pay you. There'd be mm. points where, like, they're paying late and it's a big part of, like, your work. So, like, your biggest client pays late or whatever. That's the only problem with it. If you're relying on, like, a that huge client, client or yeah. something like that. Um, where we, we have, I don't think we ever paid anyone late. There'd be points where, like, we'd go, right, we're not paying ourselves on time and stuff like that. So we never fully got to the point where we had to pay anyone late and not pay them. Was but, that point then where you go, right, I'm not paying myself. Was there ever a thought in your head then of, I've now got a taste of what lack of security looks like? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, you kind of just think, well, the money will come, like it's fine, but it is like, oh shit, what if it doesn't? Um, because obviously you go to work, you pay by the hour. Yeah. So if you work the hour, in theory, obviously very rare cases, you don't get paid. Yeah. You get paid for the time you've done. In your case then, when you kind of had to not pay yourself, you've worked that whole month. Yeah. And you're then having to not take any money from it. Or yeah. take, take a smaller amount of money from it. Yeah. How was that for like you? Was it kind of like, oh, this is a backward step and maybe we're not as good as we think we are? Uh, a bit. I th- or was you, did you have any peers where you'd seen it had happened to them and they survived? Because again, that's, I think, outside aspects where you see it happen. Yeah. You go, right, they survived it. Yeah. So, so were we. Yeah, we kind of just thought, because again, I was, even at this point, I was still like living at home. I didn't have any kind of outgoing. So I just thought, not, oh, it's fine. I just won't get paid. But it's like, <laughs> if you had a house or I had loads of outgoings, I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah. But I think I was but still it, in this it little was bubble. Fine. Yeah. I was still in this little bubble of like, oh, I live at home. It wasn't too bad. It could have been, but because I was still in this little bubble of not really having costs, it never really dawned on me at the time. Like, oh shit, this is this is bad. It's kind of just like, well, it's okay. It'll pay yeah. myself eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it never really 
I think just because I was in a little bubble, it never really dawned on me at the time. So again, that's kind of lucky. Uh, I keep saying lucky, but it's not luck that we're in the position we're in. But it's lucky that we did it at the age we did it. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. Because obviously if we did this older, and yeah. again, the hardships I've had, we'd both be fucked. Yeah. If yeah. you get to like a cash flow problem where you can't pay yourself and you can't pay your mortgage. This is it, yeah. You're done for. Yeah. That's why it's, I don't know, I guess when you're older, you're a bit more, you're a bit wiser and a bit more experienced. And when you're young, you are a bit naive. But, but I think that's a good thing. Yeah, you take Because it risks. has allowed us to make the risks, yeah. make the mistakes, learn from it. And I feel like in 10 years time, we've made that many mistakes and took that many risks when yeah. we had no responsibility. Yeah. We ain't going to make them when we have. You'd hope not. <laughs> be we'll see. Bad. In 10 years, we're doing another podcast. In 10 <laughs> yeah. years. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I agree. Um, so going away from the prep center then, you're just focusing basically on that. That's then providing income for you guys, your 10 staff members. Your warehouse is getting full. You're then stuck in a similar position of when you had the house, the house is getting full. Mm-hmm. Your warehouse is getting full. What did you then do? Because you're obviously stuck with a lease. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if anybody watching it has dealt with like commercial leases and things. Maybe similar with rental. I don't know. I still have my mum. But... Um, like if you sign, like you said, a five-year lease with a three-year break, if you don't, if you want to leave after two years, which is not abiding by the contract, you've got to pay the rent basically yeah. up to the three years, which most businesses cannot do. It's just not viable. So how did you, what did you do then to then move into extra space? We, we actually told the landlord, we said like, we're getting full. What can we do? Like, do you have <laughs> Please something help. else? Yeah. And luckily he did. He had something that was a bit older and bigger than the one we had. Um, so we took on this other one. It was quite cheap. I think it was, it was cheaper than what we had at the minute, but it was but bigger. bigger. But because it was older, he yeah. was happy to, because I'm sure he had to change the roof or do something. And he'd seen that you guys can pay your rent. You're yeah, making... Yeah, trusted us a bit more. You've got a business that's reputable now. Yeah, so, um, so he yeah, just had somewhere else. Luckily, it was, someone was literally leaving it like when we asked. It was like that month or something like that. Again, so perfect timing. Sort of, yeah, good timing again. Um, so we took on another bit of space. At the time, we were kind of splitting, not splitting smart up, but there was two different sides to the business. There was like the FBA work we did, and then there was proper kind of what we did at the time, like e-com fulfillment, where we're actually sending products straight to customers who thought, right, we'll run that side from one warehouse and the FBA from the other. Um, so we, we opened this second warehouse. How was that other side to the business? Because that's obviously a world that you don't know. Yeah. You've spent... It must be four years, three, four years now in the Amazon world. You then, even though it's still selling online, it's, it's a completely different world yeah. with e-com um, away from Amazon FBA. And even if you've got a business degree or whatever it is, again, you two are starting brand new. Yeah. How did you feel with kind of now both of yours? you? You didn't really have any peers then because I don't think anyone around here was doing... Ecom, not that we, not that we knew. No. So it's kind of you two then, and now trying to work with big brands. Yeah. With no knowledge of how. Yeah, we kind of just we'd speak. Obviously, Amazon. We could speak about Amazon as soon as we're on about anything else, like to do with their website or even eBay and stuff. We'd kind of just wing it, just blag it. Yeah, and it it worked. Like we signed up some clients and thought, nice one. We got the work. We don't really know what we're doing but a lot of it was on like software and things like that so we kind of just winged it and then just went right let's get clued up on this and we just spent time like diving into it like how's this work 
I don't know, software and the different e-commerce platform, platforms and like couriers, because that's a whole mind Yeah, it's a different world. And it's just, yeah, it, it's a huge world. We think, oh, we've got a, uh, a prep center. We're in logistics, just doing Amazon forwarding. But, but then you go into e-com logistics. Yeah, and it's like, oh shit, this is huge. <laughs> but then as well, like the, the clients you can get are huge. Like with Amazon prep, it's it's people who, some of them are here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah, you have people who send people. like five items a month. Yeah, whereas with, with e-com, you're getting like these big, solid businesses. Um, and Established businesses, which is then putting their business in your hands. Was yeah. that pressure? Uh, a bit at the time I think we didn't really realise how much say we had on like their business because you, you are now not the face because they don't see you but the product they receive yeah it's that's, coming from that's us that's you yeah um, and this is a, a reputable brand that's now trusting you with those products yeah luckily the, the first few clients we signed up they weren't really kind of flashy customer facing like look really nice products yeah. they were kind of um, like just everyday products so there were, it wasn't until a little bit later where we started to sign up clients with the, that were a bit more like, we have custom packaging, it has to come like this. We have this tissue paper and these things and all this like these oh, no. requirements. <laughs> yeah. um, so that kind of allowed us to just kind of like, I, I bet the first few parcels we sent out probably didn't weren't look up that to great. Scratch. Yeah, they probably looked a bit, a bit scruffy. Um, so that helped. Um, but you continued winging it until you kind of established yourself yeah and just like just just dived into it yeah like we're saying just just figured it out like what do we need to do like what what couriers do we need to use what software do we need to use like what what do we need to be doing what systems do we need and it's just yeah like a complete minefield have you had any fuck-ups within the, not mentioning any businesses names don't mention that but yeah. have you had any fuck-ups then where you've kind of shut yourself because this isn't you fucking up with your Amazon business. Yeah. This isn't fucking up with like somebody who's got five items a month to Amazon. And yeah. And if you fuck up, they'll just send more. Yeah. This is like, you could fuck up with one customer. They'll go online, write a bad review. Yeah. And it's all your fault. Mm. Luckily, not really. We'll have had odd things where say we might have know, damaged the odd product. That happens like in that world, doesn't it? Or we might yeah. Have we've not really had anything we could have done because like in that warehouse when we were sending stuff straight out to customers i dropped a pallet above head height of carex that was all over the floor isaac drove through a pallet but again it was our stuff of carex again uh so we didn't but probably again just by luck like yeah. we just damaged our stock not anyone else's early on um and since then we just kind of leave the staff to do what they do and we just don't because i think that bill that gives you like a, a new fear there's one thing, own your own business with your own money. Yeah. That's a fear. There's one next thing, having a staff member where you're responsible for their income. That's another fear. Yeah. But then there's now, you're dealing with, in some cases, million pound businesses. Yeah, that's Who it. have established, they've spent years and years. Yeah. And you're now responsible. Yeah. It's, it's a um, scary world to go into. It is, yeah. Um, but luckily, we've not, I mean, now we'd, we'd, it wouldn't really, I'd like to think nothing like that had happened. But early on, we didn't really have anything. Just by luck i think maybe the type of clients we had yeah yeah we just didn't like i say we damaged stuff but it was our stuff it was your stuff yeah. so you're quite lucky <laughs> so it was okay yeah so what what kind of period was that is this before covid still yes yeah so then go into covid uh -huh. uh, and obviously i have a similar experience when say lockdown was first mentioned yeah say like february march time of 2020 yeah 
What was your thoughts on the businesses at that point? At first, we were thinking, ah, oh, this it's not a big deal. This like we saw like, the first bits of news about it and thought, ah, oh, it's, it's nothing. Like people are making a big deal out of it. And then you start talking about like lockdowns and all these restrictions. It's like, oh, this is actually something serious. <laughs> Shit, are we <laughs> are we fucked? Did you think you had to have to close? Yeah, to be fair, but we was kind of looking for a loophole because the whole thing. Key workers. Yeah. Well, that's what we thought. It was like, well, we were looking for like a loophole. It's like, we fulfill some food items. Like, that's what we start workers? was. It was just food, wasn't it? Yeah. And, it's and like, then logistics came food. in. Yeah. Um, so at first it was like, we're going to have to close. But then um, we was watching the like announcement and he mentioned, like you say, like food or something. It's like, right, we're in. Like, <laughs> we're, we're in. Because yeah. we, were, we were busy. Yeah. And we thought it was going to tail off ultimately because of all this COVID stuff. Because there was so much uncertainty in like every sector. Yeah. We didn't know if then, obviously looking back now, it went crazy, but we didn't know if that would mean that nobody had income, they yeah. were on furlough or whatever, which yeah. means nobody's buying online, no. which means us who send the goods are not getting business. There's nothing for us to do. Yeah. Like, what do you do? Yeah. But, like you say, in the, in the end, it actually worked out crazy. Like some people built businesses off the back of, uh, of COVID. It was it was really good for us. Did you guys sell any like tests? What was it? That, what was it was going around? Uh, anti back. Well, that that Carex that was. On oh, about. is that what it was about? Yeah, we ended up going really big on the Carex, like hand sanitizer. It was crazy, like how many people got toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, toilet paper. <laughs> we never had toilet paper, but like it was mainly like hand sanitizer and stuff. Like that. that went crazy. We were buying like uh, Carex hand wash by the truckload. We were asking like, can we get a truckload of it? Because it was just flying out on Amazon. Um. So yeah, it was it was good. It was a weird time because it's like, well, it shouldn't be good. Yeah, you're kind of benefiting off a really bad thing. Yeah. But that's how successful people are made. Yeah. Like, like you think about investors, it. like in stocks. Yeah. When everything goes tits up. Yeah. That's when millionaires are made. Yeah, yeah. And they're, so they're you, lumping the money. In the na- in nicest way possible, you've got to benefit off some people's decline. This is it. Well, some, someone's got to, aren't you? If you're yeah. still in the right place, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm okay, not moving. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, in a weird way, I really enjoyed COVID. Because like the world was like on the stop. It was like, refreshing, wasn't it? Yeah, and we'd have like staff in, and the yard was empty pretty much because like the car guy next to us and other people and other businesses be they weren't open, so it was bad for them. But it just felt really weird because we'd have staff in. And it was like during summer, um, we'd get like it felt like a holiday while working, didn't it? Yeah, it was strange, and like the, everything was just empty. But it was just felt it felt quite good in a weird yeah, way it was. which feels weird to say but I, I enjoyed it so obviously it went crazy mm-hmm. um we know now that the econ world went absolutely nuts turns out that when people are sat at home all they want to do is order stuff yeah um that meant obviously you got more business what happened then when you had all this business all this work to do and the first person comes to you and goes i got covid yeah, yeah, so at first we was like, oh, what do we do? do like, do they go home? Because you're so go lost. Home? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure someone rang me. I wasn't actually there or something at the site. And it's like, oh, this person's tested positive for COVID. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, because obviously you're really busy because he comes on. You crazy. need the staff that you've got there. Yeah, and everyone's gone. So I think at, at what we actually did was we had to send everyone home. But luckily, because I wasn't there, and I think Isaac was away for the day or something like that. And it ended up basically where it was just me and Isaac for like a couple of days. We gave it like a couple of days and people had to basically test. And if they were negative after a couple of days, like they could come back. But for a couple of days, me and Isaac was like, well, we'll just have to figure it out. Like, How was that? Been there. 
How's that? Because you're then taking steps back. Yeah. Because you've got all this staff members, you've got all the systems in place where staff do it. You're now going back to the roots. Yeah. Where you're prepping goods. Yeah. One. I mean, at that time during COVID, before that that happened, where someone got COVID. We were sort of getting involved in it because I don't know why, like in COVID, just because it was that busy. It was almost enjoyable to just lump in and just like, we'll do shipments and we'll it get was our hands yeah. Um, so it wasn't like a, a huge change. It was just like, oh shit, now we've got to do like 10 people's work or whatever. So it was just kind of trying to figure it out and prioritize stuff. Um, but it was, a, it was like, well, what if everyone's got COVID and it's two weeks of this? Because two weeks of this, clients are going to start leaving or, or whatever. Um, but luckily we just dribs and jobs people came back so you didn't have any close calls where you kind of had a lot of staff off again we was lucky in our business where we didn't have any until the end of lockdown yeah so while I was at the busiest period was all right did you have any where shit was starting to be late and you're thinking well there's literally nothing I can do but in the nicest way possible some business owners it's their money they're obviously going to be mardy they Mm -hmm. don't see that you can't have a staff member at work who's got COVID. No. To them, they go, I want my shit done. We, we did now. tell some, when, when we say like we had a few people off and it wasn't as quick as usual, we did tell some clients like, look, unfortunately, we've had these people off. Like it's yeah. going to be, delayed. and most were pretty I think that's the key in communication, isn't it? Yeah. So um, the fact that it was so big everywhere, it's not like you're lying about it. Yeah, it's not like this little illness that yeah. Brandon and Isaac have created. Yeah. So, so um, oh, we're a bit late. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so most people were pretty understanding. Um, which helped. So that then, obviously, the snowball that we talk about with Amazon, that kind of gave it a push. Uh-huh. It then meant that the snowball was going a bit quicker then. Yeah. Um, we benefited. How did you feel that, I know I had like a, a kind of talk with myself when you're seeing businesses around you like having to close, yeah. livelihoods are being lost, but you're kind of sat there going, this is the best time yeah. I've had in business. Really weird time. Um, luckily, again, around us, there wasn't really, I mean, there were some businesses that were really close to the wire and we were thinking, surely they're going to go bust. Because you, you had the second work. Did you have a second warehouse during COVID? Yeah. Was you looking for the third? Not at the time. No. no. The second one, it did take like a year or so because that one we racked out properly. Ah, okay. And it was like a really big bit of space we had there with like the racking space because i know when i was looking for the second warehouse that was during covid right so i remember sat there thinking in the nice way possible i hope a business goes someone just closed the doors yeah Yeah, if they close the doors a warehouse comes because there was no warehouse space here no in scumthorpe um and i was i was on that mindset in the nicest way possible just can someone like yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, that's why we kind of got lucky because it was around that time i know it was before covid but i think it was like just before covid so we got lucky with that warehouse because we there wasn't anything around at that time. Because it was a roundabout or just before COVID that we got the second warehouse. And there wasn't really anything around, was there? It was like... No, literally. Nothing. And it helps that kind of you knew that landlord. Yeah. Because definitely. a lot of them kind of landlords, they don't advertise through estate agencies. No, he's really like, Especially old like old buildings. Yeah. It's usually private lets, so you yeah. kind of have to know somebody. Yeah, which, which helped a lot. Yeah. To be fair. Otherwise, I don't know what we'd have done. <laughs> so you've now got the space um the prep center's going well yeah you guys then you've kind of got a bit of a, a, a stalemate as such because the snowball's just kind of going on its own now yeah. obviously during covid you have to prep yourselves but we'll move past covid now and the staff are back in they're kind of running the business you guys are kind of overseeing it taking care of any issues that happen 
did you feel like you was kind of at a stalemate and you needed something new? Uh, not. Um, did we feel like we needed something new? I'm gonna go into the something new in a second as yeah. to kind of like why you went into that. It it didn't because at that point when we had like loads of staff at Smart, it kind of felt like we. Oh, I know. I'm only speaking for myself. I don't know about Isaac, but I didn't feel at my best. Like I I felt like I was being kind of lazy-ish you know like having all these staff to do things it's like i've got that feeling now yeah it's like what do i do um and we we're kind of in like a bit of a lull you turn up to work the staff would do everything you'd just oversee a few bits and you'd go home and go what have i done with my day like i don't really know what did that get today. to you a bit you just feel a bit bored almost it's not like being in a job where you hate it yeah but you just you like, don't hate the job but you haven't got something to look forward to because yeah it's done. yeah so it was a bit it was a bit boring in a weird way it felt like in a bit of a lull every day was kind of the same which is weird because you've got the control to do something about it um it's weird you say that because literally I, I went to therapy today and i spoke to my therapist about this exact same thing yeah because i'm in that mindset now yeah of like i'm bored yeah hence, hence starting the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've something now found new. something that's going to take my time but i spoke to my therapist today and she literally said to me like do you not realize that's what you've been building for yeah like you've also, you've spent all this time building the business yeah. so that it can be self-sufficient. Well, Why it. would you sit there at home and go, I'm bored? Why wouldn't you sit there and go, I built this. I've built this now, yeah. I'm proud of it. Yeah, But it's, it's weird because you don't think When that. you get there though, yeah, you're like, oh. It's just like never being satisfied, isn't it? It's like, well, I want it to be busier. It gets busier and you've got people doing everything. It goes, well, now I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> so then you do something else. You're like, I want this to be busier. And it's like, now I'm bored. This, they say like the, one of the biggest problems with business owners, and this is why I go to therapy is because I don't want to get into this rut. Yeah. Is that you are never satisfied. No. You always want the next best thing. Like you, you rarely ever sit back and go, I did it. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. That's, a, that's an issue I think that you're kind of speaking about that I've had. Yeah. Um, it definitely had it's, it then, yeah. It's hard to overcome it as well. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't know how long. It felt like a long time that we was just in that. It must have been a good half a year or something. Um, have you ever kind of sat back and go, I've done it? Is it like, I had it where we had a, a turnover goal. I reached mm-hmm. it. Luckily, my partner took, us out, took me out for a meal and that was kind of the celebration. But even then, I was kind of like, <laughs> I've, I've worked so hard to reach this goal. Is I've this, hit it and that's it. It's not the, yeah, like you get there and go, oh. oh. Yeah, I don't know. It's Have you ever been that, like, oh, I'm proud of what we've just done? Uh, not like a big moment. You occasionally just go, oh, that's good. Like, like the same with, <laughs> with like, uh, like you say, with like goals like uh, turnover or profit. You have like a month and you go, that's a good month. And you drive home like feeling like a, like a proper gangster. You're like, yep. Yeah, but then the next, day, it, the next, next day, day you're like just back on. to, yeah, yeah, back on it, which is good, I guess. But it's just, yeah, keeping yourself. Is it something that worries you that you'll never be able to take a step back because you'll always be after the next big thing? Does I it don't... worry you like relationships? Obviously, I've seen your relationship from the outside point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think you've managed personal life quite well in terms of a work personal balance. Yeah. Um, I didn't manage it so well. <laughs> but... In my previous relationship, but um, <laughs> is it something that you think may affect you in the future with you always wanting to work? Mm. Hopefully not now, because before, I think that time where it felt like I was in a bit of a rut and just like bored, and, but then at the same time as I was being bored, it wasn't even as if like the businesses were as good as they are now, like they, they, they weren't, they were probably steadily on like a bit of a decline. Because you didn't realise there was 
growth to be made. Yeah, we were kind of just sat like we're bored and we're not involved in it. So it's just taking like a slow backward step. Um, it was just a weird, yeah, it wasn't like a, a good time. So probably like my relationships and everything, I was probably just quite quiet. It just feels like a really, like looking back, I don't even know what I felt or thought. It just feels like a big, however long it was, it was just a big blur of just, I don't even know what I was doing or thinking or it was just a big rut. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I was in exactly the same position. It's weird. And you like, you look back on it and go, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Like I, like I say, I don't even know how long it was over. Six months, I don't know. And it's just, I don't even know what I achieved. Did you kind of just go to work, sit there, not do a whole lot, come yeah, home and talk go... talk a bit of shit, not really do any fun. work. Yeah, get back and go, well, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> so so um, going off that then, yeah. luckily then, you I don't know if you fell into something, but an opportunity arose for you to yeah. buy a business. Yes, actually, yeah. So um, that kind of then gave you something to do obviously you was growing you'd realize then after six months that you could grow the business in different ways that wasn't prepping yeah um but then the pet business came a a light yeah what was your thought processes when that came because again that's a sector that you know nothing about no it's still e-com in a way but it's a market you've not tapped into no how did you feel when we just, to be fair, we, we kind of didn't, we didn't think we don't know much about pet. We spoke about it and just thought, you don't need to know anything about pet. It is equal. It's Amazon. So it's just yeah. like, we just plug it in. Pet people, horse people know what horse stuff they want. <laughs> and we just, we just provide them it. And we just thought we know enough about fulfillment and everything like that. Because at this point, like we, we knew what we were doing with direct consumer, like website stuff, Amazon, all that. So we thought we can, it, it did a little bit of online, but we thought we can really kind of push it online and take yeah. the business kind of into this century um so it was interesting but um yeah it's not really for me. we still do some of it now to be fair but we kind of ended up with that it was quite a short experiment that if you like we kind of took it but it was it was a risk that you took because it wasn't you guys building a business then no it's you're buying an established business and you're trying to make it modern yeah. as such yeah so that was like a new experience and is it something kind of you'd learned from yeah, that I mean, you could then take into a new business in the future. Yeah, I mean, with that, we did like all the kind of weird and wonderful sizes and shapes for parcels and things like that. And just some of the, some of the stuff in that niche like really flies. And we're dealing with like new suppliers. And it is like, it's similar to what we did, which was good. But then there was also a lot of new kind of aspects to it and, and differences like dealing with the suppliers and the types of products. Um, it was interesting, but... The main problem we had was basically it was all kind of animal feed and we needed a new space for it. And the space we got wasn't really right. And we ended up with like rats and it was just products were getting eaten. And we had problems with the couriers for that kind of stuff because it was so big and heavy. heavy. They were saying we can't take that without the right vehicles, all this. So we ended up just kind of boxing that up, getting rid of it. And now we just kind of sell like some of the good bits of it that aren't too much of a hassle, make good money. And we just kind of stripped away the good bits and just got rid So of when it. you started having them issues with the rats and things like that, was you then thinking, we fucked up? Probably a bit, yeah. It's like, oh. Because at that point then you've invested this money into a business and I'm guessing before the feed started getting eaten, you've seen that you can modernize it. Yeah. Some stuff's flying off the shelf. You think we've done a successful thing again here. We've now done it for the third time. Yeah. But then it brings you kind of back down to earth of there is problems yeah with that yeah and is that kind of 
made you not want to do it again? Uh, I mean, because we still do some of it now. I, I want, yeah, I mean, the bits that we dropped from it, I've not really got an interest in doing that again. Do you think you jumped into it too quick without overseeing kind of the risks? Uh, I think it's just a, a hard space to be in. I don't even know if jumping into it too quick was a... I think it's just... We probably did, because if we actually looked at it and, say, had a look at what some of the problems could have been, mm. like, obviously, if you're storing, like, pet feed and things like that in a warehouse that has, like little holes in it or little ways in and it smells as strong as it does and things like that you're obviously going to get rats because obviously that's a world you you've not been in in terms of storing that amount of pet food yeah and you're if, used to having toys and all these like easy that. moving nice things and if you don't speak to a courier first because we try it was this business wasn't where we're from it was manchester way on and they already had like couriers and things they had like a truck to come pick up the parcels we tried to move that existing courier because they used whistle which is like royal mail herms it's like a right, okay. middle thing they then said, oh, we don't cover that area. So we're like, oh, shit, we need to find What's a new courier. Yeah, they, we don't have a vehicle going there, and we won't do it. So we're like, right, we need a new courier. And none of them could actually help. So straight away, you're like, well, we've bought a business that we think we're going to be able to do e-com with, and we don't have a courier for this kind of product. That's a oh, bit dear. of a problem. <laughs> um, so we, we, How was the conversation between you and Isaac at that point? Uh, okay, it's always been okay. With is it good because you've got you two bouncing off each other? Like yeah, one maybe shitting themselves, but the other one's like, it's gonna be alright. Yeah, that and the fact that even if you have like a little bicker for half a minute, you both kind of it helps that kind of both of you want the same thing. Like no one's like not wanting the, the business yeah, exactly. to succeed you or whatever. Thought, yeah. You both want the same thing, so it's just like you, you call each other a cunt or tell, <laughs> you, tell each other to fuck off, and then you just carry on. Like it's it's no, we've never really had an issue like that, which is good. Um, so yeah, it was okay. We were kind of just like solution based and we did manage to sort out a courier and all these things, but, but the grand scheme of things, the, the issues outweighed. Yeah. And it was just too big and bulky and you'd end up with like, cause it's so big and you end up with like split bags and all these leakages and it just, it was too big and bulky. And we looked at smart and it's like, that's got not a big really and bulky. Good, yeah, we've got a really good thing there. <laughs> Let's just not big and bulky. Not got rats. Yeah, and it, it just what well, didn't didn't work out yet. One for us. So then, you even though you say you you did it a little bit more, you've kind of gone back then. Yeah. So you kind of your main thing is smart fulfillment. Yeah. Was you again thinking we want to try something again? Uh, not not try something again as such. Again, like like I love smart now more than I ever have like it's i really enjoy it but more just like you know when you see an opportunity so say i don't know if it's just being a, like being in business and you and you see things or, or what but you'd see an opportunity and you'd start thinking well how would that actually work what would it take to do that and you start like working things out and go we could do in that. your head you go i could do it yeah <laughs> so um so we 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 have kind of started other ventures since i mean the amazon side it's kind of that we started back in 2016 and that's kind of dipped and dived and gone up and down the whole time it's never really stopped we've done a bit so you still do it we still do amazon yeah oh do you i didn't yeah. even know you did <laughs> still still do it just on a on a simpler kind private of private label no to oh. be fair a bit of like wholesale oh, um, there's bits of no there's private label things like in the works that we're looking at like products that we sell now and go we should private label that's that. good that you've like kept the roots yeah I, I fucked them off a long time ago because it, it's good like i enjoy it it's just some things across the way there's like this product's a pain or we've just taken our eye off of it so it's always been there yeah but we've just 
when you want that thrill back, you can dip back into yeah, it. Yeah, we just made little mistakes along the way, which I feel like if we, it's what, 2016, so we're coming up seven years that we've been in and out of Amazon. Like, we'll be that's crazy. Almost silly not to like go, well, we do get it. Like, let's. Yeah, you've got seven years of knowledge. Yeah, so we kind of get that space now and how it works. So it's always been there. And yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's okay now. It's just a nice, manageable um, little stream. So then we go into the next new thing. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a, like a, a fragrance company, nothing to do with Amazon. Um, it's its own thing. Again, so this, so this was, it's kind of the opposite of the pet food business in that the pet food business you was taking from their own store to your world of Amazon. Yeah. This now, nothing to do with Amazon. Nothing to do with Amazon now. This is kind of using your smart fulfillment, pick and pack knowledge. Yeah to then create your own business and process it that way. Yeah, basically. So again, a, a new world again. A new world. Another risk. Yeah. How's that been? I'm enjoying it. It's good. It's different. Um, I love Amazon. And obviously, I'd be like, it's, it's been a big part of our whole journey. It's all been on Amazon. Like clients have been Amazon sellers. We've sold on Amazon. But um, there, there are kind of caps to it on Amazon. And certain products, you just can't really push as much on Amazon. So I'm enjoying this fragrance business being its own thing, having like its own website, like different marketing. Um, it's good. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a fresh thing. I think it's really got, got legs. Fresh. Start's been good. It's fresh fresh yeah. fragrance. Um, but no, I think it's really got legs. Like I enjoy it. So this is kind of, um, obviously everyone hopes when they start or buy a business, it's got longevity. Mm -hmm. This is something you see you and Isaac building for the future and Craig. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's Craig. That also helps because obviously he's got like a background in all this kind of, Things, yeah. smelly things and <laughs> chemicals and um all that so um it's yeah i think it's it's really got longevity um it's an interesting thing it's it i mean it's cheaper than um other fragrances it's a good product that the early feedback and things like that have all been really really positive you get like the odd prick who just wants so when attention. when you see it's similar to like when you had NutriVibe, when you see someone buying a product you've made and kind of bigging it up, saying it's good, how does that make you feel? Because that, do you, do you then have a feeling of proudness? Uh, Has that finally given you I want, proudness or have you still not had chance? With this, to be fair, I don't, I don't know. It's because it's early on, like good feedback and good sales and things like that. It's kind of just like, I won't say I've had like pride with it or anything like that. It's just um, cool, some good feedback or good sales. Let's just keep going, keep going, just trying to grow it um, with that because it's still so early. Um, it's kind of just drive mode. Yeah, it's still in like let's just keep pushing it, keep pushing it because it, it's um, it's early on, but it it it's um, it's got off to a good start and it's. I've got some. I got you. Uh, get, yeah. You gave me a, a bottle of the Creed one. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. Yeah. I was never a fan of like dupe fragrances. Yeah. Um I remember my mum used to sell FM fragrances. Ah yeah. Yeah. Which is it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it's legal. Yeah. Um I remember she used to buy them, I go, You are a knob. Yeah. Why are you buying all this just buy the actual fragrances? Yeah, I I I bought a couple. Because like everyone, like you say, your mum, or like you'd know someone or someone who's selling mom, them. Yeah, in a Facebook group, or they started a yeah. Facebook group selling them. But you'd have to like Message them on Facebook. Then you've got to go order. where I went. Yeah, you've got to order wait. It. Go to their house. I went to someone's house to pick it up. But you'd have to wait as well because yeah, they do be bulk ordering. 
yeah. you'd order and go, oh, I'm just waiting for 50 more people to order a bottle, then and, I'll get yours. And it's in like a week or two weeks. Some of them smell okay, some of them didn't. In the way I'll be honest, smell. they didn't smell great. No. And they didn't last. No. And, I, and again, I'll be honest, I thought this was going to be the same about yours. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I went into my chiropractor. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this because you're my mate and I'm sucking you off. Yeah. She literally went to me, she went, you smell nice. What's that? Really? I thought, fucking hell, someone can actually <laughs> smell it. Did you say it's Creed? Or did you say, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> oh I splashed out on some Creed. You got 200 quid bottle of aftershave. <laughs> but no, it's, um, that was one thing with it. Because with this, you, wanna, you don't really want to start things that you don't think you're going to do a good job of. Because like, you're just going to get like And you're not or... selling it to say, like, don't buy Creed, buy this. No, it's just because a cheaper. Because it's a cheaper alternative. Like yeah. for me, I can now go to work yeah smelling of creed every day yeah and go to the gym or go to the chiropractor go wherever i'm going smell of creed every day and not have to spend 220 quid a month yeah um so i feel like you've got a, a decent product if you can get into that yeah and even still like the like the the suppliers and things like that we use they obviously um tell us like it's this fragrance or whatever and they test it and they run tests and tests and, and get it as close to sure it smells as possible. Yeah. To the same. But even still, if we smell something, we'll, like, we'll test them all and go, if that doesn't quite smell right, it's like, no, well, we'll go back to them and say, this isn't right. Like, and they'll, they'll work with us. Um, and we mix it so we can make it as strong as like legally possible. Yeah. So it, it can't be like any stronger. Yeah. So yeah. we just looked at it and went, well, there's FM fragrances that don't smell like it. And, they're and it's weak. a pyramid scheme. And it's a pyramid scheme. And you can't get it delivered like next day and all these things. It's like, well, there's these pitfalls with it straight away. But there's clearly demand for it. Yeah. Because even in those Facebook groups, people go mad for it, don't they? Oh, people love like a cheap alternative to greed. Yeah. So we thought, well, why don't we just like all those problems, let's just fix them and then just see. And it, it's, um, it's good. There's other people in the industry doing similar to what we do, some big players, some but. Even the big players in the industry, like there's customers for everyone. Yeah, and I still think some of the big ones, it's like we can do a better job. Mm. So I just think let's just build it. Yeah, just all these issues, let's just address them and just try and make it perfect. You're never gonna have it perfect, but yeah, just do the best you can. Yeah, just try to do it better than everyone else and see how it goes. So this is gonna have longevity. Yeah, it's so, a risk that's gonna pay off. Yeah, I mean, so far, yeah, it looks uh, looks good. Have you got any? ventures on the horizon have you got any are you settled now is this you because you currently got one big warehouse yeah where you kind of run in the prep center you're dabbling in amazon yeah and you've got scent reserve are you now this is us for like a year two years or for are you now, thinking yeah. we want to go something else or? for now and until something kind of pops its head up is um, that what you guys kind of wait for an opportunity rather yeah, than looking. not thinking like let's do something else like right now i'm happy with like smart the amazon side scent reserve like they're just I'm, I'm happy to just i feel better than ever because now like i i don't know after that lull i started like just doing more like now i like go to the gym i'm more active i eat better like i just feel Your work life balance is perfect feel a lot better yeah the, the balance is better so now i just feel like i just want to kick on with those three things and just make them the best they can see where we go yeah who knows and, a few years of probably like, oh, I got bored of that. that. <laughs> no, I think, I think, I don't know if that's just a thing when you're young or what. I think it's a thing in business. Yeah. I think when you're in business, you can, and especially when you've built a successful business. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I drive around and I look at warehouses, I just giving a random example, I look at Timpsons who cut keys. Yeah. I go, 
I can do it better than them. Yeah, yeah. I can make a better business than Timson's. There's so many like that. I look at every business that I've got absolutely fuck all knowledge about and go, I could do better than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the key things, it's like, this is completely unrelated, but you go to Timson's and you get the key back and it doesn't work anyway. It's like, apparently Timson's a very good employer there. But their keys are shit. Better, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's loads like that, and it's yeah. I think that that's just the thing. Things will just keep popping up. Like I could do a better job of that. I could do a better job of that. And if you're a bit bored or you've got some things that are like mm, they're okay, they're steady away. Let's take on some more risk. <laughs> and you just do something else, I guess. So what's the end goal then? A lot of people have end goal. Like, I want to be a millionaire. Yeah. I want to be a billionaire. Do you care about that? Uh, honestly I don't want to say no because it's like well obviously I know they say money is not happiness all do you want financial freedom of because you've said you got in a law when you kind of were going to work and not have to do anything do you yeah. want to just fuck off on holiday 12 times a year I'd, I'd like to to be honest while I'm like we're still obviously young in our 20s I'm happy to just graft and put my body like to use while I can yeah. like I can I can like do whatever I'm like physically I'm there just and there. <laughs> And mentally, I'm not quite there. <laughs> They're just. Um, so while I'm like fit and able, I'm happy to just just work and graft and not really feel too much of the benefit. Um, Are you worried with that? Because I've said the exact same thing. Uh-huh. Are you worried that, and it's common, that when, say, you say, I'll graft till I'm 30, I'll graft till I'm 40. Yeah. You reach 40. You go, I'll just graft another five years. Yeah. You reach 50. I'll I just graft know. five more years. Like, I've got this new business. I'm going to do that. And yeah. before you know it, your life's gone and you've spent your whole life working. I'm thinking, to be honest, by the time, say, like, because like, I want to have kids at some point, like, when I have kids, I'd like to have the option then of, like, how much I work. And then, like, in your 40s, like, not, I don't want to not work. Yeah. But, like, do I want to work today? Do I not want to work today? Have the choice. Have freedom and, yeah, and not decide, have to yeah. work. Who knows? You might get there and go, I'm bored. Like, this is, <laughs> this is shit. I've got a feeling, Bryn, that you might do it. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. At the minute, I'm just happy to just plug away and then just see where it, where I end up. That's good, man. i got um, a closing thing we're going to start doing on the podcast. Okay. If I can grab my little pot. I ain't told you I'm going to do this. Okay. I no, told yeah. you about the truth and the lie. But this, yeah. so in here. Yeah. There's questions. Okay. Some of the questions are deep. Right. Like real deep. Okay. Some of them are the complete opposite. Right. And they're actually pretty funny. Okay. I want you to pick one. I get to pick one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just pass it to me though. You don't read it. Okay. Don't know why I'm <laughs> shuffling. I'm like. Pick that one. So this could spark an insightful conversation. Uh-huh. Or you could literally just go, yeah, and the podcast is over. <laughs> I do like turnips, yeah. So this is a funny one. Right. What is, and try to keep it PG-ish. Yeah. What's the first thing you wash in the shower? What do I do? Kind of walk in, dunk my head. (laughs) Hair? Hair, I guess? Because I kind of just walk in and dunk my head. What, and you wash your hair? I don't wash it, actually, no. That's it, see? Armpits. Armpits. Yeah. I'm the same. Yeah, they're the smelliest, aren't they? Like, it's the only place I seem to sweat. Have you seen the picture of, there's a thing about like men's washing. It's like a heat map. Yeah. And it's like, the armpits is red. Yeah. The balls are red. Yeah. Everything else, fuck it. Yeah, I don't know the last time I washed my legs. It's like, well, water runs in them. I don't, know. I don't sit there like exfoliating my legs. Like My sister thought me and her boyfriend was disgusting when we said really? that. She rang me up and she was like, Devin, do you wash your legs and your feet? I was like, I wash my feet if I've played football. Yeah. Like, my legs. Never. They don't look dirty. 
smell okay? If I've got mud on them, I'll wash them. Yeah, yeah, you wash a bit of mud off. And yeah, that's but it. I can't remember the last time. Whereas women, they whole body do suds. everything, don't they? Like exfoliate and yeah, yeah. do all sorts of weird. They have like 15 products <laughs> to do the legs. It's like, just use this soap, wash just my hands. Just water, do it. <laughs> and that's it. And we're done. Yeah. Right. I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Uh, thanks even though me. we're best mates, I feel like we haven't really gone deep into no, shit. It's weird. Spoke for a long time. I don't even know what time. I'm hoping it's still recording, but I think it must be like two, <laughs> two and a half hours. It's a long time. No, it's been good. Thanks for having me. And um, the room's really cool as well. It's like a, like a jungle spaceship. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. Yeah, it's cool. It's yeah. nice. So yeah, thanks. I appreciate it.